All right. Well, welcome everyone to a special episode of Casual Nonsense. I'm your host, Mark. And today's episode is kind of a preview to a spinoff podcast that I'm starting up in early of 2024. Uh, so that podcast is going to be called The Double Take. And if you know anything about me, you know that I love movies. And when a movie is really good, I'm going to watch it multiple times. So The Double Take Show is going to be all about movies that are rewatchable more than once. So anyways, you can look for that show to premiere in early January. Anyways, I'm joined today by not only two previous guests on the Casual Nonsense Show, but they're also huge fans of today's main topic, uh, which is all about the movie Warrior. This movie is such a hidden gem. It stars Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton. So if you missed it, then you're truly missing out on a good, like just a good, good film. Uh, it's it's a must-see. All right, anyway, so Terrence, Colin, and I, we go pretty deep into this movie. So I think you'll enjoy our insights and our take on this film. So give it a listen and uh, let us know what you think. All right, man, let's go to war. excited about today's show we're doing a great movie uh, we're doing the warrior or i think it's just warrior there's no the so this is from 2011 this is kind of a a prelude to another project that we're working on we'll get into um maybe later but i love movies i got two gentlemen here with me today that also love movies and they requested this movie Actually, I don't want to tell you they they paid me to do this, so they're they're paying me to be here today. <laughs> we so also just... love movies, <laughs> <laughs> but this was uh this was definitely in their top five or probably top two if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, let me introduce. I got uh, I got Terrence Jordan's here today. 
Terrence, you know, he's been on a few episodes. We got him in Poker and Jeopardy. We got him with the Rounders review. And uh, Terrence is going to be my uh, my partner in crime for the the, the movie spinoff, as we say. Uh, Terrence, what's up, dude? How's it going, Mark? Good to be back. Third time's a charm. Third, yep, <laughs> third. Won't be the last, though. That's for yeah. sure. Nice. Uh, also, today, we have uh, Colin Ryan. So Colin's been on here uh, before as well. He was on the Con- a Comedic Guide to Money. That's is, right. It's Colin's That's book. Right. That's also the name of the show. So, Colin, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mark. We had such a good time talking. It felt it was so fun to get to know you that way and talk. So, like, but, And I think in that podcast, at some point, we segued into movies. It didn't even have anything to do with the topic. Yep. And we were like, so I'm glad to be back because yep. I love talking about movies. Well, we did. Uh, I remember when we were done recording too, like we took that discussion a little further. Yeah. And we we're like, oh, we're going to talk about movies. And then, you know, you had sent me a list of like, hey, if you ever do movies, here's my 20 or so. Like you, you broke them down pretty detailed. You yeah. had them by like era, like what you were feeling at the time you watched. Like it, it was yeah, a pretty yeah, detailed yeah. list totally. there, right? So I matched up your list with Terrence's list. And uh, found a common word. And Warrior was the first one I looked no further. <laughs> yeah. It was a soon, lot of overlap. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as I awesome. sent you guys a note, I was like, hey, what do you guys think of Warrior? I don't even think I hit send. And I already had responses. Yes. Like, I'm in. When are we recording? <laughs> I, I think I wrote to you. I was like, I'm in my car. I'm coming. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right. So Warrior. Uh, Terrence, why don't you run us through? Give me give me the synopsis. Like, well, first off, should we... Um, should we say the spoilers or it's 2011? It came out like if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I'm going to spoil the crap out too of it. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, okay. you need you should probably watch this movie before listening to this podcast. Yeah, yep, yep. stop here or question why in the last 13 years did you not watch yeah. this? Yes, <laughs> Re-eval- reevaluate your life choices and then come back to it. We us. can only do what we can do here. Fantastic. All right, Terrence, hit me hit us with the what are we give me the overview. What are we looking at? Okay, so Warrior is uh, a, f- a movie about uh, MMA, uh, like UFC, mixed martial arts fighting. Um, it follows a couple of brothers that are estranged and their father, who's also been estranged from them. Uh, they are very different people, but they both have a lot of talent in the cage. One of them, played by Joel Edgerton, is uh, on the verge of losing his house. Uh, so he's got a lot of financial difficulties. And the other one, played by Tom Hardy, uh, has been away for a long time. You come to find out he was taking care of their mother while, and she has since passed away. Uh, but he's got a lot of demons, a lot of issues, and uh, everything culminates in the two of them getting into this huge winner-take-all tournament. The back half of the movie is just that tournament, them going through, winning their fights, and eventually meeting up in the final. So everything that leads to that. So it's a little bit more than your typical fighter boxing kind of movie. Like It's got a lot of emotional weight to it uh mm-hmm. all the family dynamics at play all the family history they got we'll get into that but yeah i think that's that's the overview perfect awesome so this movie you know i watched it a while back and once we start talking about it i watched it a couple more times so i'm you know this is what we do we're we're rewatching these movies for a reason they're 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 quality movies that you can watch again if it's on tv right now like i'm i'm leaving it on it's one of those you know the, oh i've seen it before no 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 i know i see it but that's why i'm watching it it's great so I'm, I had some emotions going through this, right? Like, I, you love a good sports movie. You love, like, Rudy, Rocky, those kind of things, right? Colin, what do you, what's this movie mean to you? Like, what do you, like, what makes you love this movie? Yeah, I mean, I think the first time I watched it, I mean, you talk about emotions. I was leveled by this movie, like, full crying, sobbing. Okay. Like, it just, I mean, I'm, I, it's almost like that's the memory I have of this movie because it's a very good story. And and I kind of like that it's like kind of a dude movie by appearance, you know. It's just like two guys like punching the crap out of each other, 
But the way that it culminates in the two brothers fighting, there's this physical layer of the fight, but there's this huge unspoken emotional layer of all the time they've lost and having to figure out how to reconnect as who they are now and forgive each other. And it's just like, it's so beautifully done the way the movie does it. And so I always love a good like man cry movie because I like <laughs> to imagine like your sort of stereotypical dude on the couch, like drinking a beer, watching this movie and just being like... Uh, no, it's, uh, it's dusty in here. My eyes yeah. are, it's not, it's allergies. You, you know? start off, you're like, rip his head off, get him. Yeah. And then by the end, you're just a, a weepy it's just, mess. It's real quiet, you know? <laughs> and I just love that. So have you ever seen, uh, did you watch Southpaw with Jake Jacob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't, this, that movie, similar reaction, right? So I remember uh, when that came out, uh, me and my buddy uh, Hammy, shout out to Hammy, we went and saw that and we had no idea. So we're sitting here at the end of that movie, it does the same thing. It has yeah. that like cheerful, like, I'm crying, but I gotta like, you gotta turn your body like, oh, yeah. no, it's dust in the theater, man. I don't know what's <laughs> going on in here, but that's the same reaction. And and I agree, this one, this one brought that out. Like I was emotionally charged up for this movie. Oh like, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, and I think we'll get into it, but that really to me is good storytelling. What I'm always missing in a certain type of movie where I'm like, I didn't quite feel it the same way is like you don't get to know the characters enough. Yeah, you know, it's it's fun to watch, it's spectacle, it's enjoying, but you don't have that like. I'm connected to this character's outcomes. And I think this movie spends so much time setting up these characters in a way where you're like, I want them all to succeed. And I think that is what made the story so effective. Another fun little anecdote is I've seen it a bunch of times. And a few years ago, my wife came in while I was watching it, Lindsay. And this is always kind of my test is like, do only I like it or would somebody else like this? And she came in at the second half. And so she watched the second hour of the movie, Without which I was the like, this is sacrilege. What are you doing? But that's Lindsay, too. She's just like, I don't want to waste too much time, so I'm just going to watch the end of this. So she watches the second half of the movie, and she's like, start it. Let's yep. watch the rest. And I was like, <laughs> what a funny endorsement of this movie. That It's kind of a Trojan horse in. of a movie. Like, yeah. you get the guys in the door. They're like, yeah, UFC, fighting, tournament, all that. They're in. But really, at its core, it's a lot more than that. I think that's what elevates it beyond. Like, like I don't, I don't know about you guys, but if there's a movie about boxing, I'm into it. Like, even the worst boxing movies, I have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there haven't been as many UFC kind of movies, but any kind of fighting deal. But this one, like like you said, Colin, the emotion and the, the family dynamics at play, like, it just, this is why it's kind of better than pretty much all the rest, I think. Yeah, it holds up for sure. Yeah, I dig this movie a lot. And I like what's more impressive about this, neither of these actors, by the way, too, like, so this movie takes place in Pittsburgh, right? Mm -hmm. Neither of these actors are American. Edgerton's Australian. Yep. Uh, and Hardy's from uh, London, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. So they have these, if you, when you listen to interviews, like, they have these accents. So it, Tom Hardy never got into a fight. Like, this was like, he started at ground zero. That's shocking. <laughs> so when you watch yeah. him perform in this movie, I mean, it's unbelievable, you know? So they spent eight hours a day training for the first, uh, I think it was like six or eight weeks before they mm. even started filming. You know what I mean? And they were talking about like their diet plan and chicken and broccoli. And he's like, this sucks. Like that's the every day, like every two hours, like they're having protein meals or whatever, just to get in shape. And I mean, it paid off. The realism of these fights was incredible. Yeah. Tom Hardy. He's, I, I don't know all the things he did to prepare for this, but like his neck muscles have neck muscles. In this movie, <laughs> I know, so. He's such a beast. He, it's so crazy, right? He's got these big, like, they're not lats, whatever those muscles are called, you know. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. been such a chameleon, though. I mean, we'll get into his roles. He's played so many different kinds of roles, whether it's 
British, American, whatever. He's been Bane. He's been in Peaky Blinders. He's been all different things. And well, this like, was right he can do he anything. Bane too. Yeah, so yeah got- that was that was bulking up. Probably carried over to it. Yep. Yeah, but he, yeah, he gained. I think it was like twenty pounds for this movie. You know, he came in. I think at one sixty, and he was up to almost one eighty five. I think when they were when they were filming. Yeah. So, and if you have a movie like this where the guys are not believable as fighters, like it's as a sports fan, if you watch a sports movie and it's like, oh, Tom Cruise can't really throw a football, or, or this guy <laughs> uh, can't really swing a golf club, or whatever, like it takes you out of the movie. It's only there's only so good it could be. But these guys in the cage, like Joel Edgerton, is pulling off these crazy submission moves and and agile acrobatics and stuff. Tom Hardy mm-hmm. is just just whooping on people like you feel like they're in there and they're actually taking those punches taking those hits body slamming people like it it looks real it looks like real footage highlights whatever like it doesn't look like there was anything done in post-production to make it look good or there's no cgi there's no stunt doubles that you can tell like it it looks legit well the director gavin o'connor you know we'll get into what he did but he also did miracle and he was talking about when he was trying to cast for the movie miracle he said, well, I'm not going to find actors and then teach them to play hockey. He found hockey players and he taught them how to act. Mm-hmm. Well, in this one, he struggled because most actors don't want to get in the ring and fight. Like they want to they want to act. They don't want to be physical. So he struggled with that to find the right the right people for this role. And I mean, he nailed it, obviously. I mean, it came out really good. I love listening to like this process of how we got to that point because you see the movie and you're like, I look at this and I'm thinking Tom Hardy was actually a wrestling champion when he was yeah. in, you know, in high school or whatever. But you wouldn't know that he wasn't, you know? And I think that's like a serendipitous life thing because both of those characters were not yet known. Yeah. So I was thinking about that, that like I know when we talk financials in a minute, like this movie didn't do that well. And part of it is because these characters were not well known. Yeah. Or the actors, excuse me. They were about to break. But in a way, that's perfect for the story because you're looking at these guys and there's not a lot of baggage. I'd followed Joel Edgerton before in his Australian films, Tom Hardy didn't really know that much. So you look at these guys and you're like, they are Brendan and Tommy. And that's rare that you get to have that like pure, almost like child experience of a movie where you're like, well, no, that's that's really a guy from Pittsburgh who's fighting. You yeah, know? yeah. You know, you know there's more, but you don't know the background. I think the decision by O'Connor for this one to go with actors and teach them to fight rather than the other way around, the way he did it for Miracle was really smart too because Miracle it's like a huge ensemble cast they got the whole Team USA nobody gets any like huge amount of screen time but this one like there's so many close-ups on their yeah. faces as they're fighting as they're talking face to face their scenes with Nick Nolte like that would be tough to pull off if you didn't have the acting training so it, yeah. it worked out pretty nicely that uh, those guys obviously were up to the task for training and yeah. and seeming believable as fighters but they brought the acting chops already that you needed well, I mean, that's, we talked about the emotional part of it, right? So you don't get that from like an MMA fighter. Like maybe you teach him, maybe you don't. But with an actor, like that's what your job is. When you, you know, just again to compare it to Miracle, you got Kurt Russell doing most of the like doing the acting. He's doing yeah. the emotional scenes. He's giving the speeches, and all the players have to do is kind of react. Like you got to give them one or two lines where they say something. All like the goalie in Miracle, I forget his name, uh, Eddie Cahill, I think, right? Like he was awesome in that movie too. But like I said, he's not carrying that movie. Most of this movie is built on the emotion of these two characters that that you just like I said you want them both to win like yeah you, you know what yeah. I mean you have two lead characters in a sense yeah like you have like you have a boxing movie on top of a boxing movie like you have a Rocky and another Rocky yeah it's really unique usually you got one hero he's the underdog you're rooting for him the whole time here there's two they're so wildly different even though they're brothers 
They come from different places. They have different feelings and different histories with their father and with each other. And and so, like, yeah, you are kind of rooting for each. Like, Tommy, there's a lot of darkness to Tommy, the, the character that uh, Tom Hardy plays. But, like, you still find yourself rooting for him for a lot of reasons. Joel Edgerton is, like, a little bit more the identifiable yeah. underdog hero. He's fighting for his family and everything. But, like, it's not black and white. It's not like, oh, I want Joel Edgerton to win and Tom Hardy to lose. It's like they... I, I can't think of another movie like that where it's no. you got two that you're rooting for, but they end up in opposition to each other in the end. So, yeah, that really puts this over the top for me, thinking back on it. I agree. So this movie came out uh, September 9th in 2011. Uh, the budget was only about $25 million. Of all the movies in 2011, and there were a lot of good movies out there that, that year, it was like 137th out of the movies, which, mm. you know, at the time, I mean, in 2011, you had – you had a lot of um, like it, that, I think that started around the era where you saw a lot of sequels starting to come out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that kind of kicked off that whole "Hey, we're not original anymore. Let's just get a big star and just just keep running back the same IP." So the number one movie in 2011 was Harry Potter: Deathly Hallows Part One. What's it like? Harry Potter Six or whatever that yeah. is, right? You got Transformers: Dark of the Moon, which I think was the second one, um, second or third. It wasn't the first, right? Twilight: Breaking Dawn. Yay. Like yep. vam- vampires who instead of call- curing cancer, they date high school girls. Okay. Hold hold on. What what are the what are the vampire movies where the vampires cure cancer? I'd like to see. Yeah, that. yeah, there isn't one. There isn't one, right? That's what I mean. Hey, you you live eternally, you can't be useful in the world, you know. But but whatever. Pirates of the Caribbean, Stranger Tides, like Okay, right. So you're what, all franchises yeah, at this point. Fast five. Yeah. Right? Those are just some of the highlights that I put on there. I mean, and those are, have those big marketing machines behind them. They oh, got yeah. Disney and all these things oh, like yeah. This is almost like the little movie that like kind of went overlooked. Like I think the whole PR marketing aspect of it gets overlooked on how these movies perform. Yeah, I mean not how they're remembered because I think it's gained a huge following over time. But like yeah, like you were saying, what was it twenty five million dollar budget? And I don't even think it made that in That's the box a office. Tiny so. budget. No, yeah, it didn't. Um, but yeah, the top seven movies in twenty eleven were all sequels. Just gotcha. To, just to throw that out there. Just, Interesting. Just, just to put you in that frame of mind of where we were. You know yep. what I mean? Because that was the beginning or the middle or whatever of, you know, just kind of rewashing movies, the mm-hmm. remakes, the sequels, things like that. Now, granted, like a lot of those movies are good. Like, I'm going to watch them because you like the first one, you watch the second one. Cool. I want to continue that world. If there was a Warrior 2, I'm in, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's an original film, which is awesome. So I, I think what it probably does is made its money in the DVD aspect of it. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't have those numbers in front of me. But, um, but the Rotten Tomatoes, 84%. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's how you know, like when the fans are giving it a high score, you know that the fans love it. And if you're a director or an actor, like, yeah, you want your money. Obviously, that's what you're doing it. But you're making a movie that the fans love, then you've done you've done your job. You know what I mean? Yeah. And everybody involved in this movie has had, like, like you said, Colin, they started out. They weren't super known quantities when they're in this, mm. but they've all, all had great careers. Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, Gavin O'Connor's done a lot of good things. Nick Nolte had already had an amazing career yeah. by that point. So, like. I, th- I think if they look back on it, they're probably happy they were part of this, even if it wasn't like a huge box office smash. Like this, this movie's going to live on. So, so what do you know about Joel Edgerton? Like, so Colin, you said you you followed him a little bit beforehand. Like, what did he? What was he in before that you liked? Um, I get into like these weird little genres. Like um, lately, I'm into New Zealand comedies. Like I'll find <laughs> very specific. Yeah, and that's like I'll, vampires curing which are, cancer. Genre. Which are well, speaking of vampires, it's what we do in the shadows. Oh, okay, like the there movie you go. kicked off this whole 
fascination with these. Like, so anyway, that's an example. I'll be like, I watch one and then I'm like, okay, I want to find more of that. You go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. And so with Joel Edgerton, it was these like gritty Australian kind of crime movies. And this was a while ago. So I, I can only remember um, Animal Kingdom, which then turned into a remade TV it turned into show. A TV show. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a fascinating movie because it was like this crime family slowly falling apart. But these are all your kind of leads are all these just like criminals being chased by the cops and this crime family and the mom is terrifying. And, and he's just a very Smurf. Yeah. Smurf. Nice. He's just very like, he's rugged. He's tough. He played Baz in that, right? Was that the, yeah. Cause I watched the TV show. I never saw the movie. I think the movie is superior in ways. I mean, it's hard to compare because the show was like four seasons, but yeah, great movie. So there's a whole production company there. I think it's called, Blue Lizard or something like that that made all these like gritty Australian movies. So I knew him from that. So that made me smile because he's like playing this guy from Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, and that's a thing I love. I love when you have a movie of American characters and they're like primarily played by non-Americans. I just always that. I feel like there's a lot of actors that can do that, that are British or Australian or whatever, that are amazing when they're playing an American character. I can't think of a lot of like American Actors that are, if, if they're putting point. on the British accent, Great you're usually point. like, yeah. oh, this is this is not Keanu Reeves doing Shakespeare it, it, is like not what we want for it him. It sinks the movie, <laughs> yeah. right? You're right. Versus the other way around, we go like, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that's, <laughs> how does that sound? What with you know? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. What it is sound? true. He was the worst part of that. <laughs> uh, what was that movie called? But yeah, he was the worst part of that. So movie. did you like uh, Joel's accent in this? Like, like, yeah, I thought he was great. I mean, I thought he. Again, he didn't really seem like an actor. He seemed like a guy in a really tough spot. I think it's interesting, too, like economically. This is a couple of years after the, the, the 08 recession. I think you have a story who's primarily driven by financial stakes. And I yeah. thought, I don't know how often that comes up in a movie, but probably a lot. It touches home to those who might but be it, going through that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's underwater on his mortgage. He's about to lose his house. He and his wife are working three jobs. I think that's something that period you see some movies where there's a strong economic kind of unspoken element to it. And I just think that's interesting on rewatches. It's like that's why th- these guys are fighting is they're fighting for the money yeah. to improve either their life or Tommy's fighting to help his friends, family. And uh, that drives them into this horrible fight. Against- What's relatable, right? That's the yeah. thing, like you're potentially be relatable to some of the issues. So. Yeah, yeah. It's not your typical thing of, oh, you want to fight to become the champion of the world or right. anything like that. It's like, this is necessity. Like, yeah. I, you're going to lose your house. You're going to lose your life if you don't fight and win, fight well. Well, there's a quote in there, which I had for later from Frank Grillo, who I love. We'll get into him in a moment. But, you know, he says just that. He's like, you knock him out, but you don't go home. You know, yeah. like it was something along those lines. And yeah. I'm like, it's like that's the that's the motivation. It's like mm-hmm. you're sitting here and you're like, oh man, like like I got chills just thinking about like him saying it. Because- I've got that down as my favorite line of the oh, movie. Good. Is that, so is that- you, yeah? Man. Do you have no? The, that's okay. Do you have the line? Yeah. He goes, "You don't knock him out, you lose the fight. You understand me? You don't knock him out, you don't have a home." That's oh. before the uh, oh, the it. final round I against Cobra. The the yeah, me <laughs> yeah. too. I got the goosebumps yeah, going. So, yeah, that, that's what's awesome. You know what I mean? Like that's what makes this movie great because at the time of that scene too, like. The music was just right. The emotion, the the intensity, like. But uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, all right. So Tom Hardy's another one. Um, I think he was in a couple other movies 
at least for me that I knew about. Like he was in, even in Black Hawk Down like ten years prior to mm-hmm, this. Like mm-hmm. if you remember that. I mean, but what do you what do you think of what do you think of Tom Hardy? Tom Hardy's awesome. A- anytime I see him in a movie, I've heard he's a little difficult to work with. I don't know about all that, but as far as uh, the movie going experience, he's just. He can inhabit any role. He, I've got a list of just movies that I love that he's in. He's in Mad Max Fury Road. He's in mm-hmm. Inception, Dark Knight Rises, Dunkirk, uh, The Revenant. He's just always good. Peaky Blinders, I mentioned before, is TV, but he's great in that, even if you couldn't totally understand him at all times. <laughs> a lot of Christopher Nolan movies, it seems like. Yeah. He, he finds a director he liked. And yeah, but, but he's he's just a great actor. He he goes. You can tell he's one of those guys that goes all in on the role and does whatever it takes to like inhabit the character and bring it to life. So... Yeah, he's he's always been one of my favorites. I think that's doing fans a good service when actors do that too. You know, like I said, they they dive right in. This is my character. I mean, like like Heath Ledger. You know, obviously that didn't work out too well for him in the long run, but he dives so much into the character for the role of the movie, and you feel it in the movie. You I know? think that'd be so fun. Like to get paid to do that would be cool. But yeah. it's like Tom Hardy was like, okay, I need to be a working class American from Pennsylvania. And I also need to be a fighter, like yeah. two things that I'm distinctly yeah. not. With so he lived the, the life of yeah. a UFC fighter. He just trained eight hours a day. He watched his diet. He worked out. Like it, his life was probably pretty indistinguishable from an yeah. actual guy that's training for a UFC tournament. Other than he's learning his lines too. That's a cool job if you're just like, hey, we're going to send you on location for a couple months. Sure, like, you won't if you see your work, family if you unless get they it. come with you. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're going to get you in the best shape you've ever been, and you're like, oh, this sounds, sounds good. Sounds good, you know. But You're also going to get the crap kicked out of you throughout <laughs> yeah, this movie. We're going to punch you in the face a few <laughs> yeah. times, you know. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with you. I, I like him in a lot of movies. I, I'll be honest, and I'm going to say this publicly. I haven't seen Venom uh, either. I Venom. saw the first one. It, it was <laughs> big confession. Big confession. Yeah. I, haven't, I don't think I have either, actually. I want to see Venom. I'm not, I'm first not one was all right. It, it's not going to make – we're not going to do a podcast about it. I'll put it that way. Okay. But yeah, it, right. it was a good just turn your brain off kind of movie, get some popcorn. Okay. All right. It's on my list to do. You but. thought we were going to be like, what? <laughs> I, I was thinking. You just hear microphone slam. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> What's well, called leaving right now? I don't oh. understand. <laughs> no, I've yeah. not seen that one either. But I do want to add, like, playing against Nick Nolte would have been like his third challenge. And I think Nick Nolte is so, so good in this movie. Uh, he's incredible. He's like, incredible. It's the, arguably the best scenes in the movie, even though the fights are amazing. Mm-hmm. The ending is amazing. Like, Nick Nolte is in, like, five scenes or so and every one of them is like like he got nominated for best supporting actor yeah he lost somehow i don't understand how that is i didn't see the movie i saw uh christopher Plummer won for uh got my notes here it's somewhere uh the beginners it's called um mm-hmm. but nick nolte is just you can just see we talk about like inhabiting a character like just the demons that he's got all the past that's like mm-hmm. not shown to you it's just communicated through like his face and his emotions and he's unreal he's he's I don't know Top. if he was acting in this. I think he's really a recovering alcoholic who yeah. <laughs> trying to like, get his kids back. Yeah, you, I mean, you I'll, would definitely think so. Yeah, he's he's incredible. All that gravelly world beat, you know, weathered world beaten down. Like, yeah, yeah. that's that's he he brings that so perfectly. Um, I love his voice. Yeah. yeah, and and I think there it reminds me of one of the scenes I really liked or lines I really liked. It's not an original quote, but the whole first half of the movie, he's trying so hard to be good. He's sober, he's apologetic, and and Tom Hardy's character is just like a dick beating him, <laughs> like rubbing his his path in his face, yeah, yeah, constantly, and he's just taking the hits. But there's he's always calm and placid and humble. And then there's one scene where 
Tommy hires him or asks him to train him. And Nick Nolte's like, why didn't you get a different trainer? And he's like, I don't know those guys. And Nick Nolte says, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Mm -hmm. And he goes, what? And then he says it again, and it's really like you see the darkness. You see like this guy who used to be, I can only imagine, terrifying, drunk, abusive, horrible person to be around. And you could you just sort of see Teaching it like he's holding fight. it in there. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And yeah. and on top of that, like this insane competitive dad whose both sons are fighters that I mean, man. So I think there's these little moments where he tells you a lot without you having to see it, and you think like you shudder. Like yeah, what, I, what if that was my dad growing up? I think if you just took the movie on the surface, like if just had like regular old performances you would really sympathize with Nick Nolte, and you do anyway, yeah, especially yeah. because totally. of how he's... But, like, the way Tommy treats him, you'd be like, oh, like, you're not rooting for Tommy because Tommy's just a bad guy to Nick Nolte. But the way they act and communicate, like, you can tell Nick Nolte did some bad stuff back in the day. He was yeah. a bad dad. He was a bad person. Yeah. He, did, he put them through a lot, and that's why Tommy's got these demons now because he had to live through them with his father. So I think in lesser hands, like... Yeah. You you would watch those scenes and be like, oh, why are you treating your father so bad? Like like what could he have possibly done? Like you would need to see that to really understand. But like Nick Nolte is so incredible in this that like you get it even without having seen I, those. Prior I feel like the director did a great job of mm. like without directly telling you what he did. Like you pick it up. Like you said, the first scene, Tommy's on the doorsteps. He comes in and he's like, oh, this place needs a woman's touch. And he goes like, hard to find a woman who could take a punch, huh? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And you know right yeah. away you're like. Oh, like you're coming out throwing heat right away. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Nolte's just like, yeah, I deserve that. You know, he's yeah. trying to get him. A he has him. He's like, is this one of the twelve steps, or do they give a guy like you twenty four? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, man, he must have been really <laughs> he's just, bad. He's just twisting yeah. the knife as he's yeah. going. Like he's been saving up fourteen years to like get back at his dad, and now yep. he's at the point where he can kick his ass if he wanted to, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah, so Nolte's awesome. I love him in this role. They actually wrote this role for him. Um, which was awesome. So they had him in mind from the beginning. There wasn't mm-hmm. anyone else coming in to play this role. And, and I read that the studio didn't want him, but um, I guess Gavin O'Connor, the director, like insisted on having him. And yeah, definitely. Well, he did have some problems. Move. He had. I think Nolte went through a stretch where he had yeah, a some personal. Problems. Yeah. So I was partially joking about him being a recovering alcoholic or whatever, but I don't care. Like I'm in here and I'm watching this movie. And all I'm thinking about is when I'm done watching this, I'm going to watch both 48 Hours movies because it's <laughs> fantastic in those. You know what I mean? Like that was prime Nick Nolte, but yeah, perfect for this role. I agree. You awesome. Know, I love him as the dad. And it was believable. I think you were saying that earlier. Like he's believable as their dad. He's just like, cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the wife in this, Jennifer Morrison. Yeah. Um, yep. And again, they did the same thing with her. Like she, she, like, I guess when they were auditioning for the role, she was like the third person to come in. Can we cancel the rest of the day? Like we, we found her, you know, and they, out of respect, they let everyone else, they finished the day, but they were like, well, she's it. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I like her in this world, one, because, I mean, she's hot, right? So she's, she's throwing 100 miles an hour anyway, right? Which is great. Right? <laughs> so, like, okay. But she, I don't know, do you think she had enough of a, we'll call it like the Adrian type role? Like, was she supposed to be the wet blanket in this situation? Like, how did you feel about, how'd you feel about the wife? I thought that, and I can't remember her name, but I thought Jennifer Morrison did Tess. Tess, yes. okay. Tess did the, the the character is so good because I mean she's the heart of the movie in a sense because she represents the greatest risk that Brennan is taking, which is if I die or get seriously injured, 
how am I going to take care of my family anyway? Like, we want you to be safe more than we want you to save our house, right? But she's married to this guy who is so stubborn and so resolute that, like, I'm going to save my house. I'm not declaring bankruptcy. I'm not asking for help. Like, there's a scene where he goes, I'm in the tournament. I'm going. And she goes, I'm really glad we – I really enjoyed the conversation we just <laughs> yeah, had. Yeah, like, where we decided on that yeah, together. Yeah, <laughs> like, like she's married to a man who's a very good man but also is like incredibly stubborn. And so I thought what she did so well is she fights him. She pushes back against him, but she also – she roots for him to be safe. And so there's a little moment early on where she sees a clip of uh, Koba, the Russian, who's going to come fight in the tournament – and it's really, I think it's really effective um, at telling us who she is and what she cares about because they show him like destroying some people in this like highlight reel. And then they kind of pause him as he looks at the camera and he's got the mouth guard in and his eyes are crazy. And he just looks like a, he's like a human jaws, you know, he's <laughs> like, this is the monster. Yeah. And, and there's a really cool moment. I don't know if you guys remember this, but she just kind of gives the screen a look like this is what my husband is going to go fight. Yeah. Like this this represents all the loss I'm trying to avoid, and I think that that was so brilliant. Just that little moment where, like, you know what she wants, you know what she's afraid of, and then that, of course, is going to pay off later in the movie. So. And just like with Nick Nolte, he, there's some lines with him and to him about his past and what he had done, even though you didn't see that. She's got a line about she can't sit in the back of an ambulance with Brendan again, yeah. going to the hospital, sitting by the hospital bedside with him after he gets knocked unconscious again. So like, you know, they've gone through this, you know, there's been pain and this path that he's taken of being a fighter. And she doesn't want to go through that again, even though like they're kind of out of options. They don't like, yeah. like you said, they're working three jobs. He gets suspended from school without pay. So he's really screwed at that point. It's like, so yeah, she pushes on him a little bit. And if she took it farther, like you get a little bit of that Adrian role where it's like she doesn't want to watch him. She doesn't she like puts her foot down or whatever. But like that's really her only opposition to him. It's like Mm -hmm. she she cares so much about him. She doesn't want him to be hurt. But like she understands where he's coming from and what he needs to do. And she supports him. Like I love the scene where his first fight in Sparta in the tournament, she's at home. She couldn't bear to watch it. But she's just waiting by the phone. Yeah. And finally the cell phone goes off and you just see the message and it, it says I won and yeah. she like loses her mind she's got tears in her eyes she's jumping she kisses the phone yeah. like she plays it all so perfectly so yeah she was fantastic as his wife in this movie I like what you Colin what you were saying about like how he kind of stubborn or whatever like it's a risk first reward right like so mm-hmm. he's like well yeah I could get hurt but otherwise I'm gonna lose the house so mm-hmm. in his mind you know the juice was worth the squeeze yeah, you know? yeah. So. what's life gonna be like if we lose the house like it, you gotta put it all on the line for that I'm a big fan of Frank Grillo. Like, I love oh, his yeah. movie. Uh, again, like, he was the perfect cast for this. He's actually a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, so this is right up his alley. He did a show called Kingdom, which is another TV show. And if you haven't checked it out, like, you definitely should. I think it's, like, three or four seasons. I don't know that one. I need. You would enjoy it. Like, the opening scene, like, it takes place in, like, Venice Beach. And so, basically, he's a... He runs an MMA gym in, in Venice Beach. Was this hmm. before or after Warrior? Do you know? This was after. This was 2014 okay. it started. Right, so what you got, this Frank Grillo, you got cleanly shaven Frank Grillo. This is the last I've ever seen that. He always has like his yeah. five o'clock shadow yeah. or whatever, right? But uh, but yeah, so he, the opening scene in Kingdom is awesome because he's going for a jog and some car pulls over like, a couple of dudes. Like, he must owe the money or something. I forget the premise, but 
he just lays out two or three dudes in the street and then just keeps jogging. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then it's like, then like the opening credits come and I'm like, oh, this show is going to be dope. Right. Yeah. But it's, uh, I don't want to turn you off that it has one of the Jonas brothers in it, but I'll be, I'll let you know that like, like he's good in this movie too, like the show, mm-hmm. right? And this guy, and he's usually a tough guy, and like it's interesting seeing him being the coach. He's not yeah, the one in the, the ring fighting. He's, right? he's, yeah, he's the coach, um, but he's the coach in this show too. Like he owns the gym. Okay, he's got a couple good fighters in there that do tournament. Like it's check it out. Like to me, like this was he probably got that role because of the role in War. He was so excited to he got to train eight hours a day and get paid for it. You know what I mean? So he's in there doing the same thing. So I love Grillo in this. You already talked about his. Uh, his quote at the end of the movie, like every good sports related movie needs that coach to give you that, yeah. you know, that extra kind of oomph at the end. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the corner man too, right? It's like this, it's a trope, but it's a great trope in these movies. And, and there, I feel like that is a thing is there's going to be a speech and the speech is like one line. But I think that's what I like about this movie is it, it it's a formula movie, except for the fact that there's two leading storylines right except for that you got your corner man you got your villains you got your stakes all of that and i think it nails those moments like that like frank's character is so great the whole movie and then just pays off in this like reminder like this is why you're here this is this is what this is about and gives him that extra i also there's a scene early on where he almost gets destroyed in like the first fight brennan's character and he manages to make it to the end of the round. And Frank's like, excellent, awesome, yeah. great. You got him right where you, right where you yeah, want him. Yeah, he was him. a second away from <laughs> yeah. being choked out unconscious. <laughs> and I think that's so cool, too, because he's like, his job is to reset the energy, refocus the character. So he's just like, perfect. This yeah. all went great, you know? And and I think that is so valuable to Brennan's character to have I, that coach. I just felt that so believable. Like when, when Brennan first comes in and he's like, Hey, I want to, you want you to train me. He's like, I don't want Tess walking through the door with you two puppies, you know, yeah. getting in my face. Like, cause he was obviously there when he, like they referenced right. him being in the hospital before he's like, I'm not going through that again. And neither should you, whatever. I liked everything about his character. And it's yeah. like, I know he's a minor role, but probably one of the more important ones, I think. In this yeah, no, he's sure. good. And you see when Tess does show up to the tournament, it like, it kind of gives you the impression that Frank is Frank Grillo, but his character is Frank also yeah. that Frank engineered that because he's like, there's someone here to see you. And uh, Brendan looks behind him and, and sees Tess there in the crowd. I think that could have been a distraction. I think that might have been a mistake. In my mind, Brendan's focused. He knows his wife's not coming. Well, he said, he's like, is this okay with you? Is this okay? <laughs> like, well, it's too late now. Like, once yeah. you see her, you're like, oh, hey, honey. And you're about to fight Koba. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be thinking about, oh, great. Now my wife's going to watch me get killed. I think it could you know? be good, though. Like, it's a reminder. Like, this is what you're fighting for. Like, yeah. like you, you could That's be close to tapping for. out or losing. But, like, you, you can't. You can't give up. You can't stop. You got to push through it. Yeah. Hey, man, mm. girls are watching. You got to don't give up. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, li- I liked him a lot in this. Um he so the character he was based off of. It's funny what they added in was so he listens to Beethoven in mm-hmm. here. So the trainer that they had come in and train all them for the eight hours a day or whatever, he listens to classical music. So that's where they incorporated that into Frank's character. So like that's why you hear him feel the music, you know, like listen and breathe. And but it's all about the Beethoven. He comes out to Beethoven as a yeah. you know. So that's the trainer that was training them, like like Tom Hardy and, and Joel. Um, that's what he was playing in the and stuff. So it's another cool element that kind of gives the, the story like a more of a classic feel yeah. or a grounded old, like the, there's more here than just a MMA tournament, right? There's some elements that are 
yep. that are really. I thought that was so cool for the uh, contrast between Tommy and Brendan. Like Tommy is just like a, a flying ball of violence. He's just like all yeah. punches and kicks, mm. and he's on you. And Brendan is he's listening to Ode to Joy as he comes out. He's all technical with his grappling moves and everything like that. Like this, it's. I, that's the cool thing about MMA, I guess. It's like there's all kinds of styles you can succeed with, and yeah. they're like the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. A couple of uh, B characters that are in here. Uh, I love Kevin Dunn. He was the principal. Yeah. We've seen him in a bunch yeah. of movies. Um, I thought his character was just the right amount. Like, you know, like you mentioned after the first fight, when Brendan wins the first fight, and you see the, you know, he's watching it. Like, first he's telling the kids, yeah. no, we can't, you know, we're not going to support this. And then he turns around and he's watching him fight. Much like when Tess was kissing the phone, excited, he's doing the same thing. He's like, he was, yep. and, and then the, the next fight, his wife's on the couch watching with him. Yeah. Then the yeah. next one, he's at the drive-in with the students watching. The progression. Yeah, you know he's I mean? all in. <laughs> and I thought that was cool too. Like he delivered just enough of like because as I'm watching him watch the first fight, I'm doing the exact same thing as I'm watching this. Even though I knew what happened, I knew that Brandon wins that fight. I'm like, what's gonna happen? Like it was so intense to me. And I'm like, oh, like come on, like the, it was everything was just perfect about it. And I, mm-hmm. I just love it. But he did great in that. Yeah, he had the line that the students came to him, they wanted to like rent the uh the auditorium or the gym or whatever yeah. to watch it. He's like, So just so I have this straight, you want to uh you want to rent the auditorium to watch your suspended teacher do the thing he was, he suspended, was suspended for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a good line. It's a good line. <laughs> So, directed by Gavin O'Connor, I talked about him a little bit, how he did Miracle. It's not the only movie he's done, but I think, for me personally, Miracle's a fantastic movie, and we'll definitely be adding that to our list of movies to do, because not only is it a true story, uh, or, you know, based on a true story or whatever, it's Kurt Russell who's fantastic. I have a better appreciation for Gavin as a director after watching this movie, and then I was checking behind the scenes, so you listen to him and you talk to him. And not every director is charismatic and... I forget there was a director I was listening to. He was on John Bertham's podcast and he was just a dick. You know what I mean? He was just like, oh, Hollywood's this and this. And you make great movies, but it's like, like, I don't like you. You know what I mean? So for me, I'm like, I could kill us. Your movies could be great and I'll watch the movie, but I don't want to know anything more about you because you're kind of a dick. With Gavin, he's talking about how this movie got started. It was supposed to be, it was supposed to be in Long Beach. And they said, well, that's going to cost a lot of money. So he had to scout around locations. And he said, as soon as he got to Pittsburgh, like the opening scene is like, you know, the, the gritty, uh, every man. It's much like, better fit. That's like more oh, of an underdog, blue-collar yeah. feel than yeah, for sure. California. For sure. And this that's is, this is only like tangentially related, but there's another story like that. There was going to be a show called It's Always Sunny in L.A. Really? And, and they, they couldn't get the money for it, and it became <laughs> It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So Sometimes another, it works out for the best. Another <laughs> story got moved to Pennsylvania. Well, Pennsylvania has better. It turned out they have better, like, tax deductions and things like that. So, you know, the budget was 25 million. So yeah. he had no big stars to no big stars to really push this to like, Hey, let's film it in Los Angeles or whatever. Good choices all around because, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and his best stuff is all like that kind of blue collar gritty. So like besides miracle, what else has he done? Have you seen uh the way back? It's a uh, Ben Affleck. He's a basketball coach. A oh, couple of years yeah. ago, he directed that it was great. Alcoholic basketball. Yeah. Coach, yeah. Yeah. That was a really good kind of overlooked movie. Um, and he didn't direct it, but I saw he was, uh, an executive producer on Mayor of Easttown, the HBO show with oh, Kate really? Winslet, and that that's in uh, Philadelphia, so that's not so far off. But yeah, that's really good too. So mm. yeah, I feel like he really thrives in that like blue collar, like gritty kind of realistic setting. 
if you get a chance to listen to some of the some of the behind the scenes stuff, you just see how he talks to the actors and stuff is is really cool. And he he had a part in the movie too. He he was the uh, the guy that put the tournament together. Yeah, JJ the tournament together. I, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that until I rewatched the movie after watching the behind. I watched it again last night. Same like, here. Well, I didn't yeah, know until Kevin, after. You know? Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. We know the people that are in it. We know the basic plot of this, right? So the the beginning part of this movie is you know the the stage setting, right? So we got you got Tommy on the front porch. You don't know Tommy's background. Like he he's in Nick Nolte's house, and you see pictures of the two boys, like young boys. You got him in a wrestling outfit. You got trophies hanging around. So you're starting to put the pieces together without them having to say it. It was done so well, I think, because you don't want to know all the facts up front. Like you learn as as you go. Like you just hear it going through. But a fun fact: there's the pictures of of Brandon are actually him. They're actually uh, Joel as a kid. But oh. so Tom Hardy's said his mom won't give out his kids' pictures. Oh, so wow. those aren't actually Tom Hardy in there. I know I read that, that when you see the video of him, like in the high school wrestling tournament, it was like some actual high school champion wrestler that was like undefeated through his career yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that he used. said his mom wouldn't release any photos of him or whatever. And like they asked him why. And he's like, good luck. You have to get it from her. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> you know what okay. I, mean? and I, I was like, nice. that's cool. Like he's just, she's keeping, you know, hey, this is for me. Like you want to be an actor in public? Yeah, eye. it's gotta like, be tough as a public mine. persona. That's yeah. it, you know. I just want to commend you on your research, Mark. You just told <laughs> us the behind-the-scenes information on a passing piece of stock footage <laughs> in one scene in the movie. So kudos to you, my Listen, friend. Listen, that's what we bring here. You, you know go deep. I mean? <laughs> uh, we go deep. You know, I felt like uh, so I called uh, Tom Hardy's mom and I, <laughs> yeah. I for I comment. Yeah. <laughs> we we would have recorded this about a week ago, but Mark was living with Tom Hardy at the yeah. time, so we couldn't. Uh, <laughs> he trained to be a fighter for this for this uh podcast i call mrs hardy Teresa. by the way <laughs> I, I have no idea um but yeah i just love the uh just the character building from the beginning you know like it's just one of those things when you watch enough movies like for me i'm typically happy just with the popcorn movie like i'm good with that like i enjoy the marvel movies up until phase three you know where you could just entertain me i'm good i'm not diving too deep in it but again this is one of those movies where when you start to pay attention to the character development like Oh, what's Nolte's problem? Like, why is why is Tommy such like you start to feel for these characters or relate to them? Like I said, if you mm-hmm. have a, a housing problem or whatever, and you're doing these things, I just love everything about that, and I love how they pulled it off. You know, the pacing is perfect. I like yeah, the the, yeah. the drip feed of information of their whole backstory That's and why they are the way they are. The drip yeah. feed, I love it. Yeah, and they really take their time. I didn't notice this to be like a classic three act movie. It was more like you have. The first hour is like literally just setting maybe the first 40 minutes is just setting the stakes, getting to the characters. And then the whole back half is the fight. But I think they take so much time in the beginning to really help you understand them. And then each character pays off throughout the movie in that second half. And I just that's a geeky thing I think about because I used to write screenplays. This would be my homework would be like, okay, I want a screenplay where each character if I just describe their arc on its own, unrelated to the rest of the story, it should be a great payoff arc. And I think that's true with Tess. I think that's true with Nick Nolte. That's true with each of the fighters. That's true with Frank. Like each character on their own just like drives yeah. to a perfect payoff. They, they landed the plane with everything. Yeah, <laughs> totally did. Totally did. Yeah, and that's and I think that you're right. It's, just, it's a sign of a good screenplay, good director, good just good value all around it but uh there was one when so when when brendan fights and then he gets suspended the one thing i thought of what they could have done and this might have been more of a comic relief so when the the superintendent comes in what i had in my mind was what they could have done is you pull the 
you pull the lieutenant or whatever from Beverly Hills Cop 2, you know, the one that just comes in and starts yelling. And he's like, I can't believe, like, he's in the office yelling, like, not at Brendan, but at the principal. And then he leaves. Like, that would have been a cool scene, I think. But unnecessary, but yeah. that's 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 where my head goes when I'm watching that. Like, he's just this older, stuffy guy. You wanted a who, little more of that. Just, yeah, yeah, like, that would have been something, I think, just for, like, uppity. But, like, unnecessary. Like, uh-huh. I get it, but. Well, can we talk about that for a second? Because I know one of our things we like to go over is our least favorite scene. And typically, we're going to be talking about movies Please. that we love. So there's not a lot that we don't love within the movie. But the whole thing about Brendan getting suspended for a month without pay while he's underwater on his mortgage, fighting to save his life and his family, he gets suspended a month without pay because he showed up with like a black eye. Because mm, is right. it because he's got a black eye? Is it because the student's brother saw him in a strip club parking lot fighting? It's like, is that in his contract? He can't do that? Like, you think maybe a little warning or something could have mm-hmm. gone a long way, but instead we're going to just dump this guy. I thought that was a little rough. Well, they mentioned it later because when, when, when the wife says, hey, you've been suspended, and they said, well, the lawyer said it's unwarranted, so you'll be back working. Yeah, but it doesn't do him any good. It's too late. Now, yeah. 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 The house will be gone by then. But that's the motivator, right? That's the, they had a, I think you're right. That might have been a little rushed in that sense because uh, the other piece of that is the superintendent came down like an hour later. Like he just showed up for school at say seven in the morning. He's got he's got his class by before lunch. He's talking to the principal or whatever it is. And next thing you know, the superintendent's there. Like, yeah. Oh, I heard a rumor you have a teacher who fought. Like, what's the red tape? Like, wouldn't that take a couple of weeks? You know, to do some research. Yeah, I, I do think some he just sort of happened to be, be you know? there that day. I'm not even saying it's a bad scene and like that it's poorly written or executed or anything like. And it's necessary for putting Brand, Brendan in this like desperation mode of having to yeah get in the tournament, but like. It's honestly, it's kind of realistic. I guess I'm just more annoyed at like this is probably what would really happen. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's too real. The bureaucracy, the the yeah. superintendent would like suspend him sight unseen, just based on this information. Like, I guess that just annoys me. It's not really an annoyance with the movie, just that yeah, this is human nature. It's, no, it's the one <laughs> people piece, in power. <laughs> it is the one section of this that was kind of like kind of forced. You know what I mean? So if they're, if you're gonna nitpick something, like that's probably a good spot. But necessary for the progression of the movie. Like we didn't, yep. we don't need a guy yelling in the corner. We don't need an extra ten minutes of deliberation. You're Listen. talking about realistic red tape bureaucracy. To talk about the banker, I know we have some feelings about the oh yeah, the you banker see, in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, you see Brendan like discussing with his banker, financial advisor, whatever he is, mortgage about. lender. I said banker like I'm from yeah. the 1930s. <laughs> the guy who handles his mortgage. Colin, you guys can't see this, but Where's Colin is wearing a top hat and a monocle right now. <laughs> I was like, the banker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. But yeah, Brendan goes to him to try to see what he can do. Like he's willing to do anything to be able to be able to pay his mortgage. He's upside down on his mortgage. Um, and the banker is just, now I'm saying banker too, but he's just, he's not willing to work with him at all. Yeah. And Brendan even says a line like, like, listen, I just took the advice you gave me. He's like, I just gave you the information. You made the decision. And, like, pretty much just throws the ball back in Brendan's call. Like, this is your fault. When What else could Brendan have done? Like, so, yeah, yeah he's uh, in a movie that had a lot of people getting punched in the face. He probably could have used one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, that would have been a twist. Yeah. If the uh, mortgage processor he, shows he up He can in send Tommy Sparta in afterwards to, to give yeah. him the one punch treatment. <laughs> nice. Well, so with Tommy, too, what I liked was when he starts working out, all you, you, he's a big mystery character at this point, right? Mm-hmm. He shows up, throws a couple of digs at Nick Nolte. Now he's in the gym working out, and now he gets in that first fight with uh, Mad Dog. I, I just thought that was awesome. Like, you see it coming right away. He's mm-hmm. like, well, I'll keep him warm for you. Calling no, it a no fight problem. might be generous. It was, well, it was over quick. <laughs> <laughs> but what was awesome about it was, like, you just see what Tommy's about. Like, no nonsense. 
you know, yeah. I'll go, no show, no bullshit. Like, I'm going to get in there, I'm going to drop you. And then he's like, he really is a mystery bucks. man yeah. through like the whole movie, though. Like, even like every fight in the tournament, he knocks the guy out, he immediately leaves. Yeah. He, you, like, you find, you find out the whole bit about like his uh, Marine uh, tenure, his Marine, Marine bits service. Bits and pieces of his background. Towards the end. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, he's kind of an unknowable guy through most of it. You get bits and pieces through his interaction with Nick Nolte mostly. But like he's he's a mystery man. He's not your typical leading man that you know like what he's fighting for. Like Brendan is like like you get a little bit in pieces of he speaks to the uh, the widow of his former Marine buddy, and mm-hmm. you get a little bit there. But like I was gonna bring up Tom Hardy. Like I feel like he's the best at this. Like he doesn't need a lot of lines. Like Mad Max Fury Road, he hardly speaks at all, but he's like an incredible presence. Um, all his Christopher Nolan movies, he's not like the lead. Like it's usually like Leonardo DiCaprio or somebody. Like he's like a secondary character, but like he's he's there. He's like such a good presence in it. So like even with this, he doesn't say a lot. He doesn't give you a lot of information, but like you feel it all. Like it's very powerful. Everything that he's given off. I didn't yeah. put it together before, but he's almost like feral, like primal. Oh yeah, and yeah. He does I, that I, I, in a lot of movies. Like he's. He's almost not human. He's very menacing. Yeah, even in that final fight, he's against his brother. And, like, obviously, yeah, they're both – they're in the way of each other trying to win this thing and win the cash prize. But, like, after that – I think it was after the first round when Brendan breaks his arm. I know we'll get into that whole fight. But, like, Tom Hardy's just, like, pacing around like a tiger in a cage. Like, he's, like – huffing and panting and like he he doesn't want to sit he doesn't want to wait he's he's feral is a perfect word for he's like very animalistic yeah yeah it was a good good trend set at the beginning you see him you see him fight you see a little bit of brandon at the you know the parking lot strip club you see what he's capable of like more of a technical fighter right and then where tommy's more of a i'm an iron fist i'm gonna come in i'm gonna knock you out and then i'm going to get some lunch Mm -hmm. you know yeah Mm -hmm. so i thought that was really awesome uh set the tone for each character at that point like Everything that they've been building up to, they delivered pretty much to the end of Act One, right? So, yeah. so once that happens and they both decide, okay, you don't have a job, you need to train. You're at the gym. Hey, you got into Sparta. Then you have them training. Like you have this, uh, you know, you don't need the the Rocky type montage. But you, you just, get a good montage. Yeah, there's you, you one get good one montage. Anyway, right? You definitely get one anyway. And I, I forgot until I rewatched it. You get a four montages at the same time yeah, the yeah the, the way they, the way they, they, they do cool. the screens yeah and yet that was very effective and i think that so you see both characters developing and training and their situation changing as brendan becomes the guy he was understudy to gets injured and is now not going to go to sparta so you see all that happen in like four minutes of this montage yeah and that was really i thought really interesting how they compacted it to make space for the fight. Yeah. And can we just say like the whole one maybe nitpick people might have with this movie is like, how did they get into this tournament? It's a $5 million winner take all 16 man tournament. Brendan is a high school physics teacher. Tommy is a complete unknown that just went viral for knocking mad dog out. And I, I don't know about you guys. I just want to say, I don't care. Like, (laughs) right. right. I I love that. They, they get in. Brendan's able to talk his way in with his uh, trainer. Tommy gets in just kind of on the back of that notoriety, but like, the movie is so much better and so much more than that. Like the, like I w- I'm not going to get hung up on like, would they really realistically be invited to participate in this? Like it did take place in 2011. So UFC wasn't as big then as it mm-hmm. is now. Like if it was now, like they'd all be named guys. It'll be guys you see on these UFC pay-per-views probably, but like that's how you get an underdog story. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, I, it, it might be a little bit unbelievable, but like, I don't care. It's okay. Well, to nitpick on that same kind of thought was, I think it's to answer your question. I think it's because, both Frank Grillo and um, 
the dude who played Jasper Stillwell in the Marvel movies, uh, whoever owned the other gym. Oh, the, like, Tom, the Tommy Bones? Yeah, the, uh, uh, what was it, Maximilian uh, The guy, Tommy's, Tommy's trainer or Tommy's um, agent you're yeah. talking about? Yeah. The guy that owned yeah. that gym, whatever. So I think that the guy running the tournament is probably like, okay, you're... They've got a lot of pull. Like, yeah, you, you give me someone from your gym. So, like, initially, Grillo had the other dude who got hurt. Yeah. Right? But what's unrealistic about that is that guy already had Mad Dog. Like, Mad Dog and Tommy were training in the same gym. Like, right. That's kind of unheard of because, mm-hmm. you know, they meet in the ring later again. But it's like, what about when they show up to, like, hit the bag? Like, who's getting ring time? Who's getting yeah. coach time? Like, they skipped over that, which... It is a good potential storyline, though. Like, okay... They have a chance. They didn't meet in the first round. It was the semifinals. I think they'd each won mm-hmm. a couple fights before that. But like the possibility of okay, this guy was like the number one contender, and he got knocked out by this complete unknown. Now they're going to run it back in an official setting with yeah. a lot of money on the line. Like that was a pretty cool aspect. Of totally. It. Yeah. And Tommy just murdered him. Did it again. <laughs> well, he, no nonsense. He didn't give a shit about anything. Yeah. He, he didn't care at all. You know. But I like so. Also, what goes on in here is you see, like when Nolte shows up to to Brandon's house, and he's like, "What you learn is like, oh, Tommy's back. Oh, you guys training again?" Like, instantly got even more angry than he already was because he's like, "Well, you ignored me when I was a kid. You took the time to train Tommy, and you didn't train me as a fighter, and now you're doing it again." You know what I mean? So yeah. Instantly, Brandon's like, yeah. "Brandon had a line too. Like, I thought when uh, when Tommy left, I'd finally get you all to myself." Yeah, and, exactly. And he didn't. And he didn't. And then. You know, that was it. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know what I mean? But I did like what you were saying, Colin, the, the training montage with the different screens. Like, you see different things happening. Like, you start getting into it a little bit. Like, you're, you're revving up as a as a, as an audience member. I'm like, you're getting revved up for what's going on. Yeah. You know, and uh, I thought... Every fighting cool. movie, you got to have the you montage have in the middle. Yeah. That's what kicks it into high gear. It definitely set up, I think, the beginning half of this to be Tommy as the villain. Like we said, he's not... At the end of it, you find out he's not really the villain in this. But, you know, even in the final fight... He's got the black shorts. Brendan has the white shorts. Like just the little subtleties that take place in here. So yeah, like, he throws a, a cheap shot. Like after the first round, yeah, he hits yeah. and it's like that's a clever leg move. You know it, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, it, <laughs> it, 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 it. Tommy makes it hard to root for him, but you through everything else that's happened in the movie, like you get why he is the way he is. He's gone. He's yeah. gone through some stuff. Yeah. Here's yeah, one of my sure. other favorite lines, which I think supports that Tommy as the villain is when the commentator says, "I'll tell you what. You do that to someone on the street, they lock you up and throw away the key." Yeah. Break out the yellow tape, Sam. Tommy's walking away from the cage like he's leaving a crime scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. It's and so it, true, though. You you see it like when Brendan wins a fight, like he he shows good sportsmanship. He goes up to the guy that he just tapped out. Tommy knocks the guy out and is out of there. He they even mentioned he didn't do any press photos. He didn't attend the press conference. Like Tommy is like the ultimate unknowable mystery yeah. man. So well, he's the heel. He's coming off as the heel the whole time. He's here for the money. He doesn't care about your publicity. He doesn't care about sportsmanship. He's like, I'm going to come in. I'm going to knock out four guys, take the money, and leave. But like, then it's interesting that, like, the storyline emerges that he saved these Marines. So, like, he becomes the war hero, but then soon thereafter you realize, oh, he deserted his own unit, and that's why he was there to save him. So, like, like we were talking about how it's not black and white before. Like, he's a very nuanced, complicated character that yeah. – like you can you can fall on either side of are you rooting for him are you rooting against him but like the way he plays it like you gotta at least understand why he is the way he is between his family life his military service like like he he's even gonna be arrested they say like there's a military arrest gonna take place after the final yeah they're waiting to arrest him because he deserted but like I'm no expert on that I have no idea what's gonna happen but like he did save all these people he deserted because his best friend and like his entire battalion he's the only one that lived 
due to friendly fire. They all got mowed down by friendly fire. So, like, it's a little understandable. Like, is he really going to go to, like, a military prison? Are they going to throw him in Guantanamo because of this? Or, like, is there going to be a little bit of understanding? There's your, of- there's your sequel. It's an in-prison <laughs> tournament. Tommy has to fight his way the, out of the, Cuba. The yeah. winner gets released you know? from prison. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You fight a corrupt me, warden. You yeah, corrupt exactly. Warden. We can write oh, yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, see, this one's like... So they talk about that a little bit, right? When it's like, because at first, like, total evil character, right? And then you hear about, oh, you rip the door off a tank, or however they embellish it a little bit, right? You say, okay, he's got a good side to him, but you don't see it. You know, now he's in the he's playing slots, and he's like, you know, hey, we got, you know, we get no use for you, you know, you're out of here, or whatever. To, right? to his dad, to his dad, mm-hmm. right? But then, like, but then he takes another turn, right? So then he goes back up, and Nolte starts drinking. Again. The next scene, too, yeah. like it's incredible. The the casino, he throws the coins in. Patty's face, and yeah. then the next scene, Patty's falling off the wagon, and you finally see like a more sympathetic side of Tommy. He consoles him, yeah, and like plays it's, more it's of the father him, figure to him. I'm undecided if I think that was too soon because I thought it took a 180 on his character, like like not a 180. That's probably the wrong way to describe that. But you go from being asshole, 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 and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm gonna. You just told your dad you had no use for him, and now it's like he's. He's drinking in the room or whatever, and you start consoling him, which is great for the character building. You want that, you know, because it, it pays off at the end when the final fight, because you see like, oh, he is human. He does have this in him. It's like in Goodwill Hunting when like finally Robin Williams gets through to Matt Damon, like he's got this hard exterior shell and he finally broke through. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's what Brendan did at the end of the fight. But that scene was good. Like, I'm glad it's in there, but I, I thought it went kind of quick. I thought it was like... I, I think... I think it's not the typical kind of character development we see. Usually it's like, okay, if somebody has more darkness to them, they slowly get brought toward the light and then they have a breakthrough. Tommy is just like, like he falls off the cliff. Like he, he's just lashing out. He's, he's attacking his dad for everything his dad put him through in his life. All the stuff he went through in the military, his, his mom died and nobody else, Brendan wasn't there for him. Patty wasn't there for him. But I think you see, in the casino and then the hotel room, how he finally turns and consoles him. It's almost similar to the final fight. Like Tommy hits Brennan with a cheap shot. He's like a, like a feral animal. Like he mm-hmm. doesn't see his brother in front of him. Like he's just lashing out for all, whether real or imagined injustices that have been perpetrated upon him. But then at the end, like Brendan has him in the headlock and Tommy, like he broke his arm. Tommy didn't tap. He should have and could have tapped. Yeah. And Brendan broke his arm because he wouldn't. But then the final one, Brendan's got him in the headlock and Tommy, I don't think is going to tap. He's going to, he'll just let Brendan choke him to death if he has to. But Brendan says like, it's okay, Tommy. I love you. It's okay. And like, he finally lets go. Like that's the breakthrough. And he says, I'm sorry too. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's exactly right. Colin. He he says, I'm sorry. I love you. And Tommy is, it's just like the Nick Nolte scene. Like it's like lash out, lash out, lash out, and then like breakthrough. It's that same thing. It's like he's fighting, he's raging, he's angry, and then like there's the uh, the catharsis, the epiphany of it, and like he he comes to the other side of it. Holy crap! I just thought of it this way: the forgiveness with Nick Nolte with his father is like the the lower level fight for being able to forgive his brother at the end. Like that's the true yeah. stories about two brothers. But I I love the Nick Nolte falling off the wagon scene because you can see in Tommy's eyes after he chases his dad away that he went too far. Like you can see he regrets it and Nick Nolte kind of walks away and you see like how frail he is and how beaten down he is. 
And then when he goes up and sees him drinking and raging and listening to his Moby Dick audiobook and almost like he's in it and he's like screaming at the story and he just looks so broken. And I think that's a huge moment where Tommy, I mean, he literally says, I liked you better when you were drunk, but now he sees him as a drunk. He's not violent anymore. He's just empty. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think he picks him up and he forgives him. And I think that was like, in a sense, that's the end of the Nick Nolte, Tommy story, right? Was like, can he forgive him for that? Yeah, he's not in his corner for the last two fights. Like, yeah. I mean, that he's takes place of, that day. So he was He's kind of not in the rest up. of the movie that much. As, yeah. He's more of like, a, he gives a couple looks, right? Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like that was the piece where if he's able to forgive his father, now he's able to look at his brother walking out on him and kind of show up for that. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think so to me those are my two favorite scenes. Nick Nolte falling off the wagon and his Tommy forgiving him and then the final scene which is again about forgiveness. Yeah. And I it's true. That's what got me is like when cuz Brennan never says I'm sorry to Tommy for walking away. Right? Yeah, for yeah. not going with them when yeah. him and his mom took off. Yeah. He has his reasons and I think his reasons are fair but he it's interesting he never cuz he's stubborn, right? He doesn't yeah. apologize. The very end of the movie he says I'm sorry, it's okay. And that's when Tommy taps, and that's when I started going. Oh, yeah. That's when I yeah. started crying. <laughs> and that's only the second scene they have together. Those guys, like they meet that's out right. on the on Atlantic City on the beach beach yeah. before, and like Brendan is trying to get through to him. He's trying to reconcile, but he's not going so far as to say like I'm sorry. Like he Brendan does doesn't really apologize. understand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Tommy's just like I want nothing to do with you. Like we're yeah. we're, we're we're not. We may be brothers biologically, but we're not in reality. So like he just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. So yeah. Totally. I, I think uh, I think forgiveness and that that's a big part of this. And he says, "I we need we need I needed you and you bailed, right?" He says that in that yeah. in that meeting that the first meeting, which I I read was they filmed it like a fight. So the yeah. two characters on the beach they approach each other from oh, yeah. either side of the screen, and there's like the drum, the war drum music, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's only a conversation, but it's it is an argument. Yeah, and Brendan and so, says too. He he's like, I didn't even know mom was sick. Like I didn't, I didn't even yeah. get to be with her when she died. So like, there's some parts we don't know. Like uh, Tommy and the mother moved away, but like Brendan didn't even know she was sick and dying. So like Tommy's angry at Brendan for not being there, but Brendan didn't know he was supposed to be there. Like that right. he was needed. So yeah, you couldn't pick up a phone and call and say, "Hey, mom's sick. That's, Come out to California." Yeah, there was no communication. Yeah. among them. So well, I think, that's like, how they got in that like spot. Said, like Brendan was stubborn. Well, Tommy's equally as stubborn. Oh yeah. When he's like, "You show me pictures of strangers. Like you had all the information. You had all the data." It helps build up the final scene too. Like it really builds that tension between the two of them. Yeah. And um, like what I didn't know was Koba was Kurt Angle. I don't know if you ever yeah. watched wrestling. I I, fi- I realized that. When I watched it the second time, and I'm like, wait a minute, and I looked it up, and I'm like, that is Kurt Angle. Like, holy shit, you know what I mean? Because I didn't think he was that tall. Like, they make him pretty tall in the mm-hmm. movie. I thought he was this big, tall Russian. And I'm like, who's this guy? How come this guy's not a fighter in real life? Because he's pretty badass, and Kurt Angle is badass. So yeah, it was, yeah. It was fitting. And it's interesting know? casting too, because like he was like the American hero was his whole persona. Right, right, right. He's in the <laughs> right, red, the white, and blue yeah. outfit, and here he's like the Russian. Like he's basically Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. Yeah. With, he has so. no lines either, which is great. Yeah, they just, figured yeah. out the perfect move, which is don't have him speak. <laughs> yeah, there right, you go. Exactly. He can be whatever country you just, want. Just him to have be. him pound guys to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I thought this movie overall, like, I mean, we got into pretty much every one of those scenes, but the payoff at the end was awesome. You know, I'm with you, Colin. I think at the end was just like that emotional, like you're happy. It's like a happy cry, like a happy, like the chills from some of the lines and stuff. So. I love a movie like that where I'm entertained. I mentioned that I love the popcorn movie. So you're entertained with the fight scenes, but then 
the character building was was pretty much spot on. You know, mm -hmm. what I mean, it was spot on to what you're looking to do. You want to be relatable to these guys. It's funny because I, as we were going to do this podcast, I was like, it's almost it'd be different to talk about a movie that that failed more or that didn't do as good of a job. I feel like there'd be a little more tension in a cool way of like, here's what I would have done differently. Yeah. And this is a movie where I had a hard time trying to figure out. You couldn't find anything wrong. What with you it. could tinker with. Yeah. Yeah. I will throw out one idea though, which. Ultimately, I decided I wasn't on board with, but someone said that Tommy should have fought Koba. Frank or Brennan should have fought Mad Dog. Like, switch it. And the argument was that every time that Frank – or I'm saying Frank. Every time that Brennan fights, he has basically the same fight. Which yeah, is, he's an underdog. He's, he's, he's totally up, about to lose back, yeah. and barely hangs on and then he wins. And so he has that same fight like two or three times in a row coming to the finale. Yeah. But anyway. That's like that the final boss of that kind of fight. Yeah. Like Koba's like Koba the, for the sure. ultimate. Yeah. But it's funny because then I, I like went this whole circle in my head and I was like, but you would have to change all of the emotional setup. Yeah. I, I keep well, it the way it was. I thought yeah, it worked. They, I mean, Tommy yeah, and Mad Dog coming back together. Like Mad Dog's like, oh, this is a fluke. You threw one lucky punch. Whatever. Yeah, you needed well, that. They became rivals at that point, mm -hmm. right? Like he wanted – Mad Dog wanted revenge, didn't get it. And then the wife was scared when she first saw Koba. Yeah. So, like, that had to be Brendan. That, that totally. Yeah. So, I mean, totally. I'd, I'd watch a Tommy Koba fight for sure. That's <laughs> what I think. That, it, yeah. un, as, like, a just missing scene, that would have been cool, like a deleted scene. Like, yeah. I just want to see that fight because it's the two toughest, scariest characters in yeah. the tournament. I think, in a way, that makes the argument that it actually was designed really well. That, yeah. I mean, we talked about Gavin O'Connor and just, like, the directing and the choices he made. Like, there's not a lot of music in this movie, if there's any, until that final scene, like that final uh, fight between Tommy and Brendan, and then that song kicks in. It's called uh, About Today by The National. I actually listened to it on the way coming over here today just to kind of get in the mood. But, like, I remember even the first time I saw this movie, I don't know how it's going to end. It wasn't spoiled for me. That song hits, and, like, you're just a, a mess. <laughs> like, yeah. Whatever's about to happen is going to ruin me, and it I does. Sh I shazammed that. I did the same thing, and I was like, hey, what song is this? Yeah, and yeah, it it really cool. hits hard. I I think partly because there hadn't really been any music throughout. Like it's just like this realistic, grounded story of these two guys. You see all their their past and all they're fighting for and everything. But then it's like we're at we're at the end. We're at the catharsis of it all. And like we talked about forgiveness. Tommy's yeah. forgiving Brendan, and like they're, they 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 kind of need to fight. They're not going to forgive each other unless they fought each other like this. Like this was the only way to get past their problems. Um, one thing I want to ask you guys, I don't know if it was planned that we we're going to talk about, but like, what do you think happens after the movie? Like, as far as their relationship between each other with, with, uh, their father, Patty, like, how does it all go? Yeah. I was going to, um, bring that up in a little bit. Cause like, let's see how you like the ending. Let's circle back okay, to that. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I don't yeah, mean to get no ahead worries. of it. But do you guys watch MMA? Like, do you go to a friend's house or get the pay-per-view? You don't watch I've, I've gotten the odd pay-per-view here. There's probably like four or five of them. I, I don't get like every one, but yeah, I, I enjoy it, but I'm not like a super fan or anything. Okay, yeah. I don't, I, the same way. Like if it's on, I'm going to watch it, but I don't go out of my way. You know what I mean? I feel like now I want to, like I'm motivated to watch yeah. some more fights, right? Yeah. But they had, uh, there's another video with uh, an ex-fighter and what he does is he, he looks at a lot of, he was looking at a lot of different movies. Like this was one of them. He did uh, like John Wick, like just to see the realism of the moves. Right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What I enjoyed about it was as a fighter who could do these moves when he's watching Brendan do them with no MMA fighting experience, like he commended him and the director on like getting them to be authentic. You know, I mean, they're going to dramatize it a little bit, 
he was talking about like a certain arm bar, like the Kimura lock or whatever. What fighters will do is that out of respect for each other, they'll give him a couple seconds to tap. Like, cause it hurts. He's like, yeah, th- on the show, it looks like he's holding it for like 10 seconds. He's like, that would never happen in a fight because that is some painful shit. <laughs> right. So he's like, you're either going to tap or you're going to break it. You know, and no one wants to break the other fighter's arm because it's just a, like a respect for the sport. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if your arm's about to break, like you got to tap out and like, don't let your pride get your arm broken. Yeah. You know? So he talks about that a little bit. Um, but very authentic with the moves. I thought that was pretty cool. So there's some other videos they break down. And I've been really getting, the past couple of years, I've started reading more about stunt teams and stunt performers. Okay. And so that, what you're de- describing, that's got to be credit to the stunt choreographer, the fight choreographer. Yeah. And his name is J.J. Perry, and I looked it up just because I was almost by accident about this movie. That's what you have. You have these people who study different forms of fighting and translating that to a movie like that's their whole specialty and he was a stuntman before man before and that makes sense to me that somebody signed off on it i think i would also say it's not really a movie for people who are mma fans because you don't really learn too much about mma like they don't talk about different styles they throw um, a few terms there's, there's out a couple moves. terms yeah but yeah, they don't go this into is a movie made for my wife to walk in and go, ooh, this is yeah, good. Yeah, it's for, for everyone. Anybody can watch yeah, it. Or for me, because I don't watch MMA. Um, also, I there were no, like, uh, Brazilian car- uh, fighters, which is, like, yeah. a huge of part now. of MMA yeah. and UFC is, like, the Gracies and all these different traditions. So I think this was, to me, felt like a movie that was real enough in the fights and, and gripping, but it was all that emotional storytelling yeah. overall. Yeah. And I think that on that respect it maybe was stronger than an mma story because it's all about this family all right let's get into a couple uh we'll call them categories if you will let's see what see what you guys think of some stuff here so you know as far as i I talk about the location of this movie you know it's supposed to be in long beach but end up going to pittsburgh because of the tax purposes but i think we already said this right like you guys love the location you thought that was the perfect gritty spot i mean there's not a lot of other locations like that maybe boston new york chicago maybe but Maybe not Chicago. I don't think you don't get that East Coast kind of attitude. In Chicago, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a know. classic working class town. Yeah, I've been to Pittsburgh. It, there's a rough edge to it. It's beautiful. There's a loyalty to the culture, but it's also very like it's a town, a working class town. And, and so I think that was perfect for the story. Yeah. Yeah. It's the type of place where you believe his students would all be at the drive-in to watch him cheering him on in the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are these are kids who watch fights, yeah. <laughs> if not are in fights, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we call them Steelers fans around here. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, Terrence, you were talking about, like, where this movie goes. I thought that how this movie ended, you know, like, I get it. Like, it's probably not important to go beyond that, but I think I would have enjoyed, personally, five, ten minutes more at the end jokingly like of like after and, the fight you yeah, say after the fight like so they walk off and they kind of the credits roll and that's great but five ten minutes of maybe him with his wife or maybe them at a cookout or him yeah, punching totally. the uh the mortgage guy in the face i always you know struggle I mean? with or that like, because like it would be satisfying down. to see it like i almost like when they leave it to your imagination like like for me i think like i'm sure brendan gave tommy some of the money to get to give to um his buddy manny's widow mm-hmm. that he had promised sure. if he won um, I'm sure Patty is allowed back in their lives to like meet his granddaughter. That scene where he's outside on Brendan's front lawn, and he, Brendan's got two daughters, and one of w- whom Patty's never even met. Yeah, and like he's just a mess. He's like, "Oh, is that her?" And, and he's, she's like, "Who is that?" And it's like, "Oh, it's just some some old man." And like it's mm, heartbreaking. Yeah. 
So like I, I imagine like given the way everything played out, like I think he would have been welcomed back into their lives in some capacity. They would have given him a second chance. Yeah, give me the uh, the Dominic Toretto family. I was totally cooked out. Corona. <laughs> you know what I mean? He gets to show up. He's got him on the lap. Like, uh, but you're right. I think the mystery of it is nice because it leaves you wanting more. Yeah, and, and exactly the emotion of that did. final scene with the song playing and the way the fight plays out and them walking out like arm in arm together, like. I I thought it was pretty perfect. I mean, I, I I would like to see more, but like it's almost like I want to stop myself. Like, no, you know what? That's a perfect ending. Let me just imagine how it is. Maybe the director would have chosen something different than what I got in my mind. So let me just hold on to that. But like, I like the way it ended. If, if I'm in a theater watching this, though, I need a few extra minutes for my eyes to dry and the redness to go <laughs> that's, away. So. That's the thing people write about is they're yeah. like, I sat through the whole credits because I was like, I, I saw that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's fantastic. What about anything unanswered for you? In the I movie? mean, you're, it's interesting as you talk about it. I could totally picture that final scene, and or that extra scene of Patty there and the two brothers there and. The granddaughters and yeah, I mean, I think that would be beautiful. But I think also the story did it so well that I can picture it without having to see it. Yeah, just like you could picture all the things that happened beforehand. Yeah, from the movie, like you it, can kind of picture the, the way tone, it would go. I guess. Yeah. Let yeah, me ask you guys: Do you think point. Brendan continued fighting after this? I feel like he's done. Like he did it just out of the necessity of yeah. getting the money, saving his house. But like obviously, like he's incredible. He won this. Yeah, right. Tournament. He's now like a he beat famous the unbeatable Koba, like MMA fighter. Yeah. So like <laughs> I, I think he's done. I think he goes back to teaching and just living his life and being happy with his family. But I was wondering what you guys thought about that. I, I agree with you. I think for this was a movie about two main fighters who did not want to be fighting. And so I think that yeah I agree with you I think he, like he he accomplished his objective yeah. and like yep. job well done I think he takes Back part of my his uh, check and goes to the mortgage broker for investment advice yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah, I don't think that guy's making that any more commissions yeah. <laughs> pays off that house for sure I love it I love it yeah um, so a couple of Easter eggs I was in it and Colin you mentioned it earlier um, with the Moby Dick on the audiobook. yeah um, like there's a couple of spots in that I thought that was kind of cool. And then the other thing, too, I had to look this up, too, was uh, you notice that when Patty first wakes Tommy up and he's got that chart mm-hmm. and they say it, I, I watch my movies with close, closed caption. Um, I started doing that since The Boys because I can't understand Carl Urban in that. So I like to see what he's actually <laughs> The <saying>. Boys. <laughs> so, Definitely understandable. So I leave closed caption on when I watch movies, which can be distracting to some. But I love it because you pick up on things like if you ever watch Game of Thrones put that on because you get to see the names of the people that are like, like what, what do they say? What, what are they calling that person? Yeah. But anyway, so one of the things he talks about is uh, like, I think I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but Theogenes. Yeah. Theogenes. Yeah. Theogenes. Okay. Yeah. Know. That was crazy. I, I, I actually went down the rabbit hole, like reading up on him. After oh, really? Yeah. Like he's this like mythical unbeaten fighter and like Tommy, like that kind of gives you insight into why Tommy, yeah. like, like the way Patty pushed him as a kid, he was undefeated. He was chasing Theogenes record of like, 1400 something wins yeah. in a row. He even had a poster you saw very briefly yep. of like Theogenes with like a bar up to here and Tommy like chasing him. Yep. yep. So, but, but like you also get the impression like Tommy must have stopped fighting because Patty asked him, he's like, did you keep fighting? Did you catch him? Did you, did you break the record? And it's like, you would have known, like, even though he moved away, like, you would have been able to probably find out if he, like, he would have won the Olympics. He would have won the gold medal. He would have been like a known famous fighter with how good he was on the track that he was on mm-hmm. so like tommy probably once he got away it's like that's part of my old life that's part of my life for my father who i detest now so like he probably right. gave that up afterwards so quit yeah. just spike. another layer to it yeah um so we talked about some um like some like favorite scenes as well colin is there something that what did you love the most if you had to pick one right i know that might be tough but 
If you had to pick one, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've got two, Colin. So you pick one, I'll take the other, whichever yeah. it is. Chances okay, are they're all the same. <laughs> I'm list. sure they're going to align. Pretty much most scenes in the movie, I really, really, I really connected with. Can, can I ask you to narrow it down a little bit? Yeah, so that's my answer. That's my answer. I'm going to describe them in real time. So uh, Patty comes home from an AA meeting, and there's no. I think the ending is one of the best endings I've ever personally experienced yep. in a movie where everything pays off so perfectly. And I think a thing I'd, I've not seen before or since in a fighting movie maybe was the idea that this is kind of funny, but I, the way I remember it is not exactly how it happened, but I'm like, this is the ultimate dude moment where Brennan is punching Tommy while going, I'm sorry. I love you. Yeah. I love you. I'm sorry. He's punching him. And I was like, that's the funniest. This is how guys work through yeah. our feelings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not exactly how it goes, but that's how I remember it. And I think, I think that idea that there's this brawl happening, but that what's happening in a much bigger way is two estranged brothers who have really been apart almost as long as they were ever together. Yeah. You know, they've been separated since they were teens understanding each other's perspective and recognizing that like we are a family and we are that that is more important than anything else. And I think the way that that happens is it's really clever, really cleverly put together. So okay, anything in the last 10, 15 minutes was just. Definitely. So I, I think that when, when they're on the beach talking and you realize that Brandon's the older brother, yeah, um, that should have gave away who's going to win that last fight because Brendan has the big brother advantage that's what I'll call yeah, that's it. Right? Right, that's right. I don't know right. if you guys have an older brother or a younger brother, but um, you know, I have an older brother, and I don't think it would matter how much I would train. He'd probably still kick my ass. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so it's I just the that, way it is. I you thought know? that when they started fighting because it seems like Tommy is such a superior fighter. But I was like, well, they probably fought constantly as kids, so they like know each other's moves. Right, maybe. So, yeah. yeah, so I agree. I think that supports that. So was that the scene you picked too? That, that's one of them. Yeah, one of the okay. two. The final scene, the final fight, but also we spoke a little bit about the the casino and the hotel room. Like, yeah. like I like to think of like actors like that I've seen them in a bunch of movies and they've had these long careers. Like, if you're gonna put together like a highlight reel of like their best stuff, like mm. Nick Nolte, Tom Hardy, those the scene in the casino and the hotel, I think are definitely I gonna agree. be on their highlight reel. It's just like incredible acting, incredible embodiment of the characters, and like. Even though, like, Tom Hardy, like, you're not totally sympathizing with him up to that point. Like, he's kind of a dick. Like, like you feel it after that. It's like, all right, I, I get it. And, like, he finally came around. He finally consoled his father, like, kind of forgiven him for all the shit he put him through through his whole life. So that that was my other scene that, like, that's just I agree. all I mean, the way. It's like a tie. <laughs> Those are both so yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, so for me, it's not – it wasn't so much a scene. Like, I, I you know, those ones are obviously on the list. I think they're going to be better, but – I like most things that have Frank Grillo in it, I'll be honest. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. I thought he was just enough. So the when, when Brendan first goes in his office and he's trying to get him to convince him, that, like, hey, I want to come train with you. And he's just like that sarcastic, like, like you serious? Like, what are you going to come after detention? You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I just love the, the attitude he brings because I feel like that's real. Like, that's a question he'd really ask as well to be like, seriously, dude, you're a teacher. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. you're, you're just over 30 or whatever age he was trying to imply that he was. Well, Mark, yeah, no. you and I talked during the Rounders podcast of, like, the importance of having these, like, smaller characters that are really, really good. You had, like, John Turturro playing Kanish and oh, Rounders. Yeah. Like, that's what makes the movie. Like, you can have these lead performances, and they're the fleshier parts, and they'll get the accolades. But, like, you got Frank Grillo in it. You've got um, uh, the the wife of Brendan. Mm -hmm. Like, all the, the, the principal from the school, all those characters, like, really 
elevate it to it another level. together. Yeah. 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 I agree. So that was kind of my thoughts. I think I know your answer to the, to the next one, but I think in some movies you watch, and there's always that spot in the movie where you're like, oh, this is where I'll get up and go to the bathroom. I don't think there's any scenes in here where you want to get up and go to the bathroom. If you're in the theater, be like, oh, I'll just run real quick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had no bathroom break scenes for me in this, but I mean, I don't know if you guys like. No, the the movie's a little. It's I think it's almost two hours twenty minutes, which I was actually surprised when I put it back on. I've seen it a bunch, but I didn't remember it being quite that long. But like, it moves. Like, there's no point where you're checking your phone. There's no point where you want yeah. to go to the bathroom. Like, I'm kind of a purist with all that. Like, if I'm going to the movies or I'm putting a movie on, like. I'm going to bed right before I start because I don't want to. I don't want to miss a line. Like I, I've got, I go to the movies with my kids, and they got to go to the bathroom constantly, even if we <laughs> go beforehand. And like we're watching like Trolls or like Haunted Mansion or something, and it annoys me. It's like God, I'm going to miss this line. I'm going to have to watch it again and find out what happened. So I'm, I'm typically not leaving anyway. But in this movie, there's not a chance I'm getting up. While so when you happening. took your kids to see Warrior in the theater and they wanted to get off, they loved it. Like, they really oh. appreciated the the technical fighting aspect. <laughs> Yeah, Henry, my four-year-old, was really all in on the brother dynamic and everything. <laughs> We're going to interview them in the behind the scenes of this yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. They're like, what I remember is I needed to pee the whole time. Yeah, right. right. And, and I'm kind of torn on this, too. Uh, did you like the title? Like, you think Warrior was just a good name for that? Yeah, it's a little generic, but, like, I tried to think of other titles it could have been. I know um, I saw, I read that they uh, they adapted it in – they made an Indian version of it, and that one was called Brothers, which mm-hmm. I get, but also – I. I like Warrior better than that because, like, Brothers tells you right there, okay, it's going to come down to the two of them at the end. I think it kind of fast-forwards you to where there's not as much suspense Mm. to it. Um, Yeah, that probably could have been a better title, but Warrior, I don't know. I kind of like just a one-word title. Like, that's just going to stand the test of time, too. I agree with you, though. It's it's a good question. I don't think it's... The best title, but I couldn't tell you what would be. Right? Yeah. 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 I, I like. I mean, you, you've got the movie I, The Warriors, like the the gang, the, the cl- yeah. cult classic movie. And then you have the yeah. show, the show Warrior. Like, yeah. If you try to Google it, it's a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I think one. And this movie came out in 2011, and we've all seen it mm-hmm. a ton of times. Like, you grow attached to it. Like, you can't imagine it any other way at that point. Maybe if we came out of the theater, it's like, was there a better title for that after the first time we saw it? Maybe we'd have some ideas, but now it's like it's just etched in our mind. Like yeah. this, this is Warrior. Like we love this movie, so plus, we wouldn't change it. Plus, I think it's like packaging. Like the packaging of this movie does not tell you what you're in for. Yeah, like I think that's why it wasn't a big hit, and that's why a lot of people don't know it. Is because, yeah, maybe it would have made more money with a different yeah. title. That's a good. Like point. it's kind of funny. Like we're having this whole conversation. We're all basically geeking out about this movie that is not a very well known cultural touchstone movie. And yeah, I think it's. In a way, Warrior is symptomatic of that. Like the title, the poster, the MMA, like a lot of people just wrote it off without being curious. Yeah. And then you go and you watch it and you're like, I mean, the acting, the story, the, the story that's being told is so powerful. It really yeah. sticks with you. Yeah, I couldn't. I'm the same as you guys. Like I, I thought it was kind of generic. I thought they could have done a better title. But that being said, I don't have a better one to pick for them. So, yeah. so we're going to go with it and that's it. Sure. <laughs> so, um, you know, we talked about like, if there was a sequel, we'd watch it. Tommy in a prison, corrupt war, uh, <laughs> corrupt warden, you know, or stuff. Who knows, right? But G- given that it had such a perfect ending, I don't. I mean, like we said about Rounders, I'm in for a sequel if they make it. I'm in for a sequel if they make this. This is a perfect ending, so I don't think it's necessary. Um, I did read that they, there's a TV show that's supposedly in production from mm-hmm. the same director, Gavin O'Connor, um, mm-hmm. for Paramount. That. I, the last thing I saw from it was like June or July of last year, and I couldn't find anything more recent. So I don't know if it's still in development or what, but it was going to be like a 10 episode. 
It was called Warriors with an S at the end. Yeah. Um, and it was going to follow like four different fighters, similar thing, like kind of seeing their backstory. Oh, not, not a spinoff from this, but yeah. just. Right, talk, different okay. characters. Uh, Gina Rodriguez and uh, Daniel Cormier, who's like a real UFC fighter, was supposed to star in it. But I don't know. Hopefully we'll hear something about this, that soon. This is the plight, Terrence, of us who read movie news of <laughs> upcoming possibles. Because I'm thinking about it a bit. All these directors. They make a great movie. They're going to get that question in a random interview. So is there going to be a Warrior yep. TV show? And then they go, yeah, yeah, I'm interested in that. And then like four years goes by. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's I mean, this movie mind, came out like, in 2011. When's that going to happen? Yeah. yeah. I'm the same. I've been, I read that interview a couple years ago and I'm like, okay, I want, I want. Yeah. It. It's on my yeah. calendar. Whenever it yeah. comes out, I will be there. I'll be yeah. there. <laughs> I think we agree that the casting for this was awesome. We've already decided like we like the no names. We like that. So, but I started looking into what are the actors around 2011 that whether they wanted a big name? Or oh, yeah, like a bigger, this. bigger star. Maybe? Yeah, so I was just trying to make a list of who was around during that time. Okay. And I just kind of blow through these because I don't think any of them work except one. Vin Diesel, maybe. Too big of a star at that point. Mm-hmm. Fast Five came out. He doesn't bring the emotion that we need for this. You're going for the Tommy part, I assume, for um, him? I haven't decided. I okay. guess it's just, it's just <laughs> if they're available and the budget allowed it. Right, but it's a different movie. He's the principal. I pictured him as a physics teacher. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not getting it. Well, that's what I mean. Like, if you got Vin Diesel in there, this is probably in L.A. Patty's a dock worker. He's not. You know what I mean? Like, you just have a different. Yeah, like a different. Keep going. Keep going. So it's funny to think um, about. I was looking at Sam Worthington. He just mm-hmm. did Clash of the Titans was the year before. Yeah, Avatar. Uh, he did, I think this was before Avatar, right? I don't, okay. When did Avatar come out? Was it? Well, know. no, twenty Avatar. Wasn't it 2009? Oh, yeah, maybe. it was because okay, so, I moved down to North Carolina in 2010 and I saw that like right before I came okay, out. Okay, so, so Clash so. of the Titans came out in 2010. So it was, he, he did a couple movies. He did a Terminator version movie. I think he played like John Connor in a movie. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he, pretty good action star. Like not super well known, but like he was getting there. So I thought he'd be able to pull off probably the Brandon role, I think, would probably be more his thing. I was looking at Gerald Butler. Not really believable as a teacher, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But, you know, probably too big of a star, too action-y. So he might not have pulled it off. So I would still say no on him. Um, if you really wanted to go big, you could probably pull in, like, Wahlberg. Well, he know. did The Fighter, so he had a little bit of similar experience. Yeah, exactly. That, and he was good in that. He was, uh, you know, he played that humble fighter role. So I don't know if he'd want to play Brandon again because it was a similar Similar, similar character traits in those, you know. Yeah. The last one I thought would be good was uh, Liv Schreiber. I thought he was around. He did Wolverine in 2009. How old was he by that point? I feel like he's a little more I'm not sure. advanced in years, sure. but I don't know. He's good, um, though. All right, so I think we I think we all agree that I think the characters that they picked in this movie are pretty spot on, right? So there's not a lot of recasting I would do. I didn't get into the, um, the minor characters because, again, I think we agree that the minor characters they have just worked perfectly. Like, there's... Yeah. There's no one in there that I was like, oh, man, you got to get rid of this guy. The only thought was, again, if we go big name, the announcer uh, who's in a lot of movies. Like, they couldn't get Joe Rogan to come in. and, and that, That's Russell. basically who Brian we played. Yeah. 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 yeah, I, I know him from that. old school. Like, I always think of him from old school when I see him. Okay. But yeah. he's a stand-up comedian. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Yeah, like, no, there's nothing wrong with him. I thought he does great. You know, where was Joe Rogan? Too much money? Like, too busy? Probably. You know? <laughs> probably. <laughs> one other quote that he said – that was great because he his commentating was great. He goes, uh, "Lock up the China because the boys are at it again." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the way that they framed that with the music and the cuts to the fighting, like it was very, it was, it was very effective. So he's commenting on every fight, everything going on. He's got his his quotes, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. So when Tommy and Brendan are fighting, the first two rounds, he's not talking. Mm-hmm. Like all you hear is Frank Grillo. 
being yeah. like, get out of it, get out of it. Like he's given his coaching methods. And I thought that was great because the music had just the right amount of intensity. You hear the coach yelling, like, yeah, like you felt like you're Brandon in this situation and you're listening to the coach, like, you know, Oh, you got to shoot him palms up or what, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And then I think in one of the rounds you hear him talking a little bit, like he's got to add some commentation to that. But for the most part, he didn't talk much. So if you go back and if you end up watching it again, and I know you will at some point notice that too, because he talks in all the other fights and then this one, he doesn't talk as much. That's and, better. And as a character, too, he's really setting up the underdog nature of Brendan. Like, mm. he's constantly yeah. against Brendan. He doubtful. calls him a feeder fish at one that's point. Right. Yeah, 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 that's right. He has a goldfish in his hand yeah. or whatever, yeah. And he does have one cool contribution at the very end, right before that fight, is he goes, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the two men fighting for the championship are brothers. Yeah. So cool. And I think that was kind of a chill moment because you're like, wow. Like, yeah, we know everyone, they're brothers, but even but even everybody seeing everybody else yeah. find out that information, yeah. yeah. Yep, no, I agree. That was a cool that was a cool spot there. You know, I thought that the music was well done. We talked a little bit about some of the songs in there, but it brought just enough. And I can only use the word intensity because that's how I felt about it when I was watching it. it. Was just like I'm into it. I'm on the edge of the chair. I'm like, this is it. Like this is awesome. Yeah, and I I I love listening to movie soundtracks, and so I have actually listened to that one. And it's um, not a very well known composer, but. It's a lot of there's the Beethoven parts, but there's also a lot of drum, like war drums. And yeah. I think you were saying earlier, Terrence, like there's never a moment where the movie never dragged for you. And I think part of it was like there was this very there was a lot of tension being introduced by the music yeah, throughout. Kept pushing you don't it really forward. notice it on its own unless you listen to it, but Tension's a good word. Just, I like that. The yeah. battle, the battle is is happening. Yeah. Know? And that final song I thought was such an interesting choice because it's just like an acoustic guitar instrumental song like you think fight you're thinking like rock and roll drums like heavy something like like fighting clash kind of music and this was like just so like sparse and like just kind of let the scene do the talking like yep. i'm yeah. getting the goosebumps again yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you can watch, watch it now today, uh? should we watch it now <laughs> yeah let's do it <laughs> uh, yeah we got a screening going on at uh seven o'clock tonight yeah. it'll be the warrior in the park um warrior in the park <laughs> you can bring your kids so a few uh a few other things I had just for, um, you know, we talked about like our favorite quotes and lines from this too. I think the, the Grillo one was awesome. And, you know, we mentioned a couple others, but a few extras that I was just noticing about the movie itself. Right. You know, I like how Tommy's character doesn't say much. Like you talked a little bit about, you say just enough to be mysterious where like, I hate you, but I also like you at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that's, it was really well done. I thought, if, I don't know if you guys ever watch Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was, if you, again, go back to the, the the second half of this movie, a lot of kind of gritty camera remind me a lot of the Friday Night Lights scenes. Like when you get to some of those uh, yeah, football scenes in there, that's the first thing I thought of was just like that intensity, that tension that builds up. And I got that from Friday Night Lights. Like that's such a good show with same thing, the drama, you, like the character development. I, I don't think Gavin was involved in that show at all, but I feel like this had the same feel for me. And I love that TV show. I've actually rewatched it twice, I think. This movie, to me, had that same feel, and that that's what I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't the, oh, look, we're watching Avengers, and everything's popping out the screen and jumping out. It was, it was like, more gritty. I think that's how we That's were. another one. It's like, it's a football show, but it's about a lot more than football. It's about the family and the friend dynamics yeah, and everything, but too. But they bring just enough good football scenes. Yeah. But you're like, it's not just about that, but it's a football show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. What I was looking for, and I'm going to try, I might even try to design it frank's uh soul of a lion shirt like i don't Ooh, know if that's okay. a real brand you know what i mean so i was trying to find that 
I was going to recreate it and try to get one here and wear it today. But, <laughs> nice. um, you know, next time I'm going to try to try to plan ahead a little better. You know, this is my fault. This is my fault. I'll get three of them next time and we'll. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, those are my those are my biggest pieces that I saw. I think is there anything that stood out to you guys that we didn't cover today? Uh, well, one thing I, I we talked about a little bit beforehand I thought could be fun is like what character do you not necessarily ide- well, I guess it could be identify with but like what do you think you could be like like I thought about like anytime I watch a movie like you want to identify with a character on there and that's how you empathize with them and connect with the story and everything like I thought that Frank the trainer would probably be my best bet I'm not a fighter I've never been in a fight Actually, technically, that's sort of true. I'm 1-0 in my life. In oh. middle school, I got challenged to a fight, and the guy didn't show, so I'm counting that as a win. 1,300 more, and you can... Yeah, the Ongenese is safe. Don't so worry. that's like by decision? Yeah. You're like, yeah, you're like I won the by default. disgusted, and uh, Terrence won. Yeah, I'll take it. But yeah, I, I, think, uh, I, think, I think Frank, the role of the coach, I think, is, uh, would be a good one for me. Like, I just started... Uh, we just finished our first soccer season. My oldest son, Max, is eight, and I'm uh, head coach in his team. For the first time, and that's been a lot of fun. So I think now, well, I'm not a math expert here, together. but uh, that means that you did not take your kids to see Warrior in the theaters. My <laughs> oh, kids, yeah, I, my kids did <laughs> not exist. Yeah, yeah, I knew, I knew my my math was wrong. I just, uh, I liked the image of it. Yeah, Max was born in 2015. Uh, eventually, I would definitely like to share this movie with him, but it might be yeah. a little too soon for that. For sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you playing along earlier when yes. I was like, "Oh, your kids in the theater in 2011." No, that's not true. Um, what about you guys? Who who do you identify with? Who do you think? You I mean, I, I I think for me it's Brendan. I think that's just the most identifiable character. And I was thinking it would be interesting to get a female perspective on that question because it's such a movie populated by men. It's such a like male dominated sport. But obviously that's not true. There are tons of female fighters, and so that would be interesting. Like who does a woman watching the movie identify with? But I think of the characters. Nick Nolte and Tom Hardy are so specific in who they are, and they're 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 more unknown. It's removed. tough to connect as much yeah. with them, even even if you understand their story. I yeah. don't think a lot of people watch it like, oh yeah, that's me. I see a lot of me in that character. Yeah, you wouldn't probably want to because there's a lot of a lot and, of negatives. To and it. it would and it would it would uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Diminish it, wouldn't it? If Tom Hardy was talking to a mortgage lender. You know yeah, I mean? no, that doesn't. You, you don't want to see that. He's not know? going in. Yeah, places Brent, like Brennan that. Brennan is dealing with the the crap of life, and he's the one everybody's betting against who has to push through. And so I think that's the purest kind of hero journey that yeah you you relate. to. How would you do in the cage, Colin? You you holding your own? <laughs> I mean, with all the training, maybe. There you yeah, go. <laughs> but I, I mean, I don't think I'm even one zero in my life. I don't think I've actually had. I'm a not fight, either. So, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> How so, about you, Mark? I mean, I think everyone would love to be Brandon because he's the ultimately the hero of this and, and solves it. But I don't know that I'd have the same type of fortitude that he would have. I mean, you don't know until you're put in that situation. Mm-hmm. So as sad as it seems, if I had to pick one of these characters, I mean, it'd probably be more of the principal, to be honest there with you. There we go. All right. Like, All right. It'd be, it'd be someone who, like, I really want to support you in this. But, you know, here's the principal. His, uh, whatever age he is, he's got a job to do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's his priority. But then you see after the fact, he's like – I really do support you. I just, you know, like there's a, there's a line you got to cross. It's kind of constrained by his boss. So when you look at when we talked about Brandon earlier, like, Hey, is it, is the risk worth the reward? Well, the principal goes through that and he chooses no risk. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But he still wants, he wants to support any way he can. And you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say an undeveloped character, but if I had to choose, 
Realistically, oh, I think that's good taste. I think that's I like it. Yeah, you know I thought I mean? you were gonna say you identify with Mad Dog Grimes. Mad Dog Grimes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was what I really. Yeah, the saw tough for luck you. loser. You know, yeah, gets yeah. knocked out twice in two seconds. So fun fact about him: he talks real, a lot of trash. His real name is uh, Eric Apple. Like he's mm-hmm. a fighter, and if you look in the scene, he has a shirt off, and it says he's got a tattoo that says "Bad Apple." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that's kind of cool. Like I'm sure that's his. I didn't no. know that. I did see that there were a lot of real MMA fighters that were in those roles, like the guy yeah. that Brendan beat in the first round, the Midnight. They called him. Yep, he was a real fighter there was a bunch what of a great nickname too midnight <laughs> yeah taking yeah. you to midnight yeah, i gotta sure. say mad dog grabs that character then that that guy that uh that's a noble uh gesture yeah if you're a real fighter to be like listen we're gonna get you killed twice yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when this is your chosen profession <laughs> yeah uh so that was good that was Hope good we got paid well for that anyone in this movie is this anyone's like best performance of their career would you say up there for Nick Nolte, maybe not for him, but for that old regretful character trying to get it right. I thought that was one of the best versions yeah. of that I've ever seen. I, I mean, I'm sure there are other examples, but off the top of my mind. Yeah, not a lot of actors that are pulling that role off. Yeah, Put which it is this cool, because he was known as such a different type of actor most of his life. He was this tough, yeah. young, younger Leading guy. man. He, yeah, yeah, now he's this gravelly-voiced, yeah. gritty, alcoholic, bad father, like... Yeah, it's not a lot of guys can pull that off yeah. when they, they age a little bit. But yeah, I I think the best way to put it is the top three guys in this movie, like I don't think they could have been any better. Like they were incredible yeah. throughout the whole movie. Like I we talked about um when Tess showed up to the fight and Brendan looks back, like when Frank tells him like I've got a surprise for you and he looks back, like a lot of it is just unspoken. Like you can kind of just see on his face, he just kinda puts his arms up, he mouths I love you and like like you just see all the emotion. There's the um the part he's like trying to, I think it was when he was fighting Koba where he's like pulling on his arm and like he's straining like a hundred percent. Like he looks like he's going to burst the blood vessel. Like he's given yeah. every oh, possible yeah. ounce it. of effort. Like I, I thought all those guys just, they couldn't have done any better they than they did. Yeah. All right. So the last thing I had on here is what do you think has like aged the most from this movie? So 13 years ago, right? Aged the best? Uh, just aged in general. Uh, you can go either direction you want to go, right? So the first thing I was thinking was, He's in the casino. They're playing slots with actual quarters, right? You don't see that anymore, right? <laughs> Does that not happen anymore? I don't know. I'm not a slots guy. You know, maybe in, maybe in the older casinos, but now you just I do kind of know what you mean because I was in a, I flew through oh, Vegas yeah. recently. I do not play the slots financial guy. You know, I just can't right. make myself <laughs> do it. I just can't get my head around it. But in the airport, it's kind of fun to walk around, and they have, like, slot machines in the airport. They're all – and I was like, I would have done it. If you could play quarters, but it's like you got to put in your card. Yeah, if you, you get, get a couple of loose ones. Unknowable transfer uh, exchange rate of money to tokens. Yeah. Yeah. But like, maybe no, this movie it. changed it. Like after Warrior came out, they're like, listen, we don't want sons throwing buckets of quarters in their father's faces <laughs> on the floor. So we're going to go to the card liability. <laughs> yeah. We've changed uh, casino fights everywhere. That's it. <laughs> you know, the technology definitely is a little bit right before that smartphone era. Everyone's got flip. Yeah, she had the, the Nokia, and, I think, right? Yeah, it yeah. stood out. Like, she when the message came through that he won, it, like, takes a second to download, and it's the flip phone, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is this yeah. takes place a little bit in the past, not too far, but... Even the yeah. first fight, the one, the guy who works the front desk is filming it, and he's like, it's, like, odd. He's the only one who is doing that. 
Yeah. And you think about now everybody, everybody yeah. filming oh, that, for sure. that fight. You yeah, know? I agree. I think he even almost has like a camcorder or something. Yeah, it's, a, it's so. a flip phone with the camera that he's yeah. holding. Yeah. The camcorders, the military guys had the camcorder. Yeah. You know, they had those. That's so true. That's true. They had those. Uh, Can we talk about him for one second? We didn't talk about our least favorite characters. Okay. The the guy from the gym there, he's pulling for Mad Dog in the fight. He's like, go get him, Mad Dog, go get him. Mad Dog gets knocked the hell out by Tommy. And then he's cheering for Tommy in the finals. He's like, get out of here, dude. Like, you, you were already against me in the semis. I don't need you in my corner. I couldn't stand him. He's just a weasel, right? <laughs> yeah. He's a weasel who works the front desk at the gym. Yeah, exactly. You know? I don't need you. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I can't relate to that guy. I don't want to be that guy. Nah. <laughs> we don't do that. We're getting him fired. Like, no more yeah. movies for him. Right? But it's true. Yeah. That was Tommy's, like, only underdog moment was, like, 30 seconds in the beginning of the movie. When he first came in the gym, Before yeah. he, he beats up Mad Dog Grimes. And from then on, this is a deep cut, but there's a film reviewer I love. I got to plug him. His name's Outlaw Vern. I've Got been it. reading his blog for 20 years, I think. He's an awesome movie reviewer. He does a lot of, like, he, he brings the respect back for, like, straight-to-video action movies. Okay. He's like, you know, people make fun of these Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, but they're actually kind of great. There's a movie called... Blood and Bone with Michael Jai White. You're both looking. I at love that guy. Where no, am I, I going I like with this? No, yeah. I, I haven't seen that movie, but yeah, yeah. He, he Michael Jai White's in a lot of those like kind of low budget well, he was fighting. In, he, movies. he was in the original Spawn movie too. Yeah, that was him. And he's he's prolific. He's, he's, he's a fighter. prolific he's fight awesome. movie actor. And in that movie, he's an unusual type of character, which is he just wins every fight he's in, no question. <laughs> like he never struggles. He's just like he's like a shark he just like runs through everyone and i think that tommy is that too yeah and you don't often see that in a movie where tommy only struggles because he gets his arm broken and he's still gonna fight so i think just as a like easter egg i think that's a hard type of fight skill level to pull off as a story is a fighter who just wins every fight immediately yeah, before right. the final fight, he spends what like forty seconds in the cage in his yeah. first three fights. He just knocks yeah. the guy out and yeah. Goes the first back guy to he knocks room. out, he doesn't even check. He just leaves. Yeah, all of them. He just ducks right <laughs> out. Yeah, he's that like, are you down? He's just like he's done. Yeah. And, and it's interesting away. too because like the way they format the tournament, like they got to fight four fights in two days. Brendan yeah. is getting whooped on and pulls it out of the fire yeah, every time every at the fight, end. Right. Tommy just knocks a guy out and barely breaks a sweat. Yeah. And then they got to fight each other. And like Tommy, I guess maybe he kind of punches himself out. He comes right at Brandon. He's got cuts Brandon. under his eyes. His yeah. br- oh, ribs are all cut up. You yeah, Joel I mean? Edgerton's a handsome dude, but you never know it from this movie because he's <laughs> his face is just lumped up the entire time. <laughs> so um, that's a plug for Blood and Bone. Very good movie. I'm going to go and check it out. And for Outlaw Vern, who's an awesome, amazing film critic. Nice. nice. But so yeah. the last thing I had that kind of aged poorly was uh, taxis outside of Atlantic City. Like, oh, you, yeah. You I wouldn't think see about that, that as much. I mean, you got more Ubers now. Not that it affected the movie in any single way, but uh, it's just <laughs> something I know out of it. Yeah, I'm it, like, it, it helps the- place you like when, when it took place. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting to see after well, the fact. To stay on the same subject of cars, I mean, Nolte's got the cassette deck. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's an old with, school looking Walkman. Yeah. 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 Well, even in the car, that's the Moby Dick as a tape, right? Same idea. Yeah. I don't know where you'd find like a little cassette of Moby Dick I, at this point. I don't point even have time. a DVD. I don't even have a, a DVD. I don't have a CD player in my truck at all. Like they just don't <laughs> even put them anymore, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, well, here we are 10, 12 years later and you can't even get that. Yeah. And I do miss cassette tapes. Like I should Absolutely. But. No, the physical element of it. Yeah. And it's good in a movie too. I thought of this earlier, but when Tom Hardy forgives his dad, he takes off his headphones and the Walkman and he stops the tape. 
Yeah, and I think that's you could true. argue that's very symbolic that he doesn't just take it off and he knows how it. much it means to him. He stops it like you don't need to listen to the story that's anymore. Right? I didn't even notice that. That's awesome. Yeah, and so that that again, you get that physical the weight of a Walkman, right? We all remember that, yeah. and the the kachunk of turning the hit and the stop. And yeah, I agree. I think with all our digital and our streaming and everything, there's something that I miss about that. Even, even though that technology was terrible <laughs> in comparison, <laughs> right? But there was something very nostalgic about it. Yep. Before the before the iPod, you know, maybe they couldn't afford it in the budget, so they were like, "Well, I got this Walkman and I pulled from my basement." I mean, do you remember when the iPod came out, and we we all thought that that concept was so absurd? Yeah, because you could put twelve songs on a CD, right, or, or twelve songs on a something tape. like that. That was yeah. it. And they're like, "What if we put all of the songs in the world on?" But yeah, at the beginning, it was like, oh, this thing can hold 100 songs. Like, yeah, yeah. And that yeah. was amazing to us. And yeah. now it's oh, like. It's- awesome. Listen, uh, I think we've covered a whole bunch of shit on this movie. Did we miss anything? I think we covered it pretty good. It's an awesome movie. I hope we did it justice. I hope so, too. Well, listen, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Um, this was so much fun. Uh, I'm going to have more fun editing this down to uh, a respectable time I mean, frame. <laughs> and, and thank you for doing that, Mark, because part of me was like, I wonder if we're going to do a podcast the length of the movie Warrior. You know, what if we're we going to do a two-hour, twenty-minute yeah. podcast? Yeah, we, got, so, we got close. So, <laughs> but you know, I really enjoyed talking about this with you guys. I do too. I do too. This was this was awesome. So, what I'll do is I'm going to put you know your guys' information in the show description as I always do. So, if people want to find out more about you guys individually and what you guys got coming up, we'll definitely do that. You know, I don't think this will be the last movie that uh, we do together, but yeah, I hope you not. Know, the next All movies right. we do will be on the the spinoff in the podcast universe if you will uh it's called uh, the double take so that'd be mostly me and terrence but like i said i'm i think you passed your audition today, oh Colin, my so. gosh oh the <laughs> so, pressure so is we'll... <laughs> i've been living out my own warrior story plot over nice. here of like nice. am i am i passing the levels am i uh i'm yep. just hoping mark keeps me and doesn't just straight up replace me with you <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna put you guys you guys fight to the death the winner the winner's the co-host that's i'm it. sorry right. colin i love you <laughs> yeah you were a 1-0 fighter i should have never messed with you i'm only here because it's my equipment. i'm sorry about you <laughs> you know i'm only here because it's my equipment that's so, true that's yeah. true so I that's win, true you know. that's true you're the hedge fund billionaire in that's, this yeah, right, situation right. but yeah this is great if you guys yeah. uh excuse me i'm gonna go home and drink and listen to moby dick now so yeah on <laughs> a walkman i hope yes. nice well again thanks guys i really appreciate it thanks everyone for listening you know, if you stuck around this long anyway, you might have had to watch this or listen to this show in a couple different parts. But um, but we appreciate it. And hopefully that you enjoy the movie as much as we all do. And you went back through, watched it again, and you noticed some of the points that we made. And if you have more that we missed, by all means, you know, shoot me a note. And if we need to do... Just come you know, to Mark's house. Just He's here. Yeah, show up, please. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's always fun. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for listening and stay casual. Stay casual.